We talk the talk, we talk the talk From the shots that's called to the tomahawks To the league boss and the ones who lost Give it to me once, I don't drop the ball To the home runs that was out the park Kershaw when I'm pitching off Kobe the Howard, he looking soft LA Rams in the city, y'all You like that, you like that, you like that Kirk Cousins back, long bomb to D-Jacks Got special guests, got breaking news Got what's new if you need that Watch me speak like Ali R.I.P. Not a person on earth that can't stop me Game 7, get a ball to Kyrie Three Come talk to talk with Chatter's box What's going on, everybody? My guy, Tyler Sure. What's going on, sir? <laughs> Nothing, man. Just uh, chilling, working, you know. Um, just uh, It's kind of crazy uh, after you graduate that those first couple months, right? You know, you're kind of just trying to get acclimated to everything, you know? Do you feel like you have anything figured out yet? <sighs> man, um, <laughs> I have a, a full time job. <laughs> so, so that's more figured out than most people. Yeah. Because I, I'll be honest with you, man. We we all talk a lot and we all are very, very close knit. And I don't think any of us graduated <laughs> with a plan. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because you like to look around the, the, the staff and the team and you kind of look at each other and it's like, oh, a seven, eight, whatever it is. But no, you look around campus and you look at everybody graduating, it's like, None of us really have an idea mm-hmm. about what we're doing. Okay, mm-hmm. good to know. Well, I do have an idea to this uh, conference championship Sunday. So the NFC championship actually just kicked off. Tampa Bay is in Green Bay right now. I'm not. I'm unsure if they just caught this pass an incomplete or a fumble. It's looking like it's incomplete. But we got a lot of things to talk about today. Of course, we're going to talk about the NFL playoffs. We're going to talk about more coaching hires. Uh, we're going to talk about some women in sports. We're going to talk about some news in the first month of the year. And, of course, we have to talk about our local teams, whether it's the Vegas Golden Knights, UNLV basketball, or the Las Vegas Aces. Um, so, actually, I'm going to kind of let you start it off. And uh, Do you want to start off with the news in the first month or women in sports? Uh, let's let's kick it off with women in sports, man. Um, yeah, man. We, uh, you know, like with Becky Hammond making big moves. Um, I'm telling you, in two years – I don't know with Coach Pop when he hangs it up, but she's got to be first in line, right? Uh, I would think so. I right. mean, I, I think it goes back to what you just said a second ago in terms of Coach Pop. Yeah. If Pop plays, or plays, if Pop, I would assume, coaches more than two additional years, I think Becky might get her shot somewhere else. That's, you know, that's also true. It depends if she wants to hold out and wait for the San Antonio job or if she wants to take a job wherever you know i'm trying to think of coaching places that could i mean we talked about your team before and i mean we you going on record saying that you're a pelican fan yeah and i mean you and me we have we're, we're about i want to say we're close as close to 50 50 as you can get in terms of splitting our opinions only because i don't think you thought alvin gentry was a horrible coach oh i loved alvin you know but it did seem like you felt Maybe they needed a different voice. Not necessarily that he did anything wrong, but that another voice was needed. Mm-hmm. I like the Stan Van Gundy hire, mm-hmm. but I also looked at Becky Hammond, and that was the person I was like, eh, New Orleans, if you want to jump out the window, that's the way to do it. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I'm not sure. I, I don't believe she was even in the uh, the interviews. I'm not sure if she got an interview. I know it was. Uh, it came down to SVG, uh, Ty Lue, Jason Kidd. Uh, <laughs> Thank God he was not the. They that's a Jason topic Kidd for another time. UNLV's, uh head basketball coach for the longest, but wouldn't give Mike Miller an interview. 
And that, that's all you need to know about that, folks. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So let's, let, let's talk about some women in sports. I'm happy that you actually started with Becky Hammond because one of the people that I want to talk about today is Jennifer King. So Jennifer King is becoming, is going to become, she might have actually already if they've officially, officially finished the paperwork, but Jennifer King will become the first black woman to be a full-time NFL coach when this next up, actually, I shouldn't say off, uh, up, uh, upcoming season starts, but when this offseason begins, she will be a full-time head coach for the Washington football team. And what are we? We are a little over five minutes into the game, or I said that back, less than five minutes into the game. Four minutes and a second into the game, Tom Brady has found Mike Evans in the back of the end zone. Green Bay is trailing 7 nothing at home to start off this NFC Championship. And, of course, as this show goes on, we'll talk about Brady's – Brady's. Why did I say that? We'll talk about Brady and Rodgers. I don't know why I'm about to say Breeze. Um, <laughs> but we'll talk about their first playoff encounter shortly. But Jennifer King will become the first black woman to be a full-time NFL head – or NFL coach, and that will be with the Washington football team. Um, I have plenty of places that I want to take this topic, but let's start here. You mentioned Becky Hammond, mm-hmm. and that was somebody who I'm actually happy that you mentioned because that was um, who I was going to bring in and tie into this topic. Becky Hammond has been ushered into the league by Greg Popovich. Mm-hmm. I see the same thing here with Jennifer King because over this last season, I know um, Celine has probably been the person that I've talked to the most about it. But I really like that Ron Rivera hire for Washington. Yeah, they needed a culture, a culture, like a culture shifting hire, and that was after the, all the controversies that came out and they were cleaning the house. You know, Absolutely. somehow Snyder survived, but I mean, but now that's another conversation. Exactly, exactly. But sure. Riv- Rivera came in and really shifted the culture. They made the uh, they made the playoffs um, with four different starting quarterbacks throughout the season, which is Nuts. ridiculous. But um, yeah, I think you know Jennifer King coming up through Rivera. That that that's huge. That's that's you know obviously Rivera doesn't have the the um, the credibility or not not the credibility but the what's the word I'm looking for the degree of kind the of resume the re- exactly the resume of Popovich. But he's still a very re- well respected coach around the league. You know for sure. And I think what's interesting is when you, when you play football, I think what uh, what goes a little bit understated and I'm maybe hopefully I can get some players in here to talk about it but I feel like with football it goes understated in terms of the relationship that you have with your coach and I mean let's talk about Mike Tomlin Uh, never had a losing season doesn't matter who's under center doesn't matter who is the center doesn't matter who's the starting wideout just all these different things and I think that goes into the type of coach that he is and players that want to play for him as opposed to uh in basketball, I feel like you look at LeBron's first run at the title back in Cleveland, and you look at David Blatt, and no offense to David Blatt, who's a great coach, but you just look at that team, and it's like, did they need David Blatt? Probably not. Because mm-hmm. the team like LeBron did what he wanted that year. So it, it seems like with basketball, you can kind of win in spite of your coach. Football, there's no way. And that's that's a that's an excellent point. That's an excellent point because – and we all know that NBA is a player-driven league, right? Sure. The NFL, it's more team and owner-powered than it is. You know, the NBA has players have all the power, and then you see that through the contracts and the player empo- uh, pow- empowerment movement and stuff like that. Um, so I think, I think Jennifer King, she might have it easier at first, you know, 
because Becky Hammond, it, it's and, and that's not even a knock on Hammond. That's just a knock on you know the 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 disparity between the power of who the players between the coaches and stuff. You know, but um, I mean, San Antonio. It's not like San Antonio has like no future. I mean, they got some they got some ballers down there. Uh, right. Murray, Lonnie Walker. Uh, I mean, even even Washington, the Washington football team. You look at what they were able to do, and like you said, with four starting quarterbacks and a first season with no off season and just a name change and. All these different things, and I, I think that team definitely has something to build with. Ahead of our move to Westgate, we've been trying to fully commit more to br- uh, introducing our topics with uh, odds, and that's something that we want to do more and more. So one of the odds that I have for today is actually about Jennifer King, and it's over-under. And the over-under is a little weird for me because I wrote it out, and I was like, this sounds really crazy, but let's do it. Okay, let's hear it. Over under ten years before we see a woman head coach in the NFL. Hmm. Hmm. I need your answer, and it's a sure thing. I'm gonna say over. Now, I wish I could say under. Now, but the NFL is it, it, there are rooted deeply within this is the first Super Bowl by the way that there will be a full time woman official and that was next that was yeah. Sarah Thomas I'm happy to say it but let me go ahead and add that too Sarah Thomas will become the first woman to officially officiate a Super Bowl and that's over 100 years of <laughs> in the league right so and I think you know that's why I use Becky Hammond that's why I started the show off with her is because I think she will be the the next big the breakthrough and so her when she gets that job and when she starts to produce other teams, other leagues, it'll become a norm. And that's why I think when Becky Hammond does it. So if you were to ask me for Becky Hammond, I'd say under for sure. Like uh, for sure. That's, you know, we're looking at over under two years. For Ex- Becky at this point. Exactly. So the NFL, I think it's going to take a little longer. We're getting there. Obviously, there's a lot of there's a lot of improvement. Um but I mean, it's still this still this shouldn't even be a conversation. This is something that should have already happened, you know. Speaking about it not being a conversation, the weird thing is when I wrote this number out, when I did over under ten, I even said it doesn't matter who I have on the show. I know the answer is going to be over. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with Jennifer King. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with the Washington Football Team. It has everything to do with the league. Exactly, and its roots, you know. It's a weird thing to see. Um, Sarah Thomas was actually another the second point that I wanted to uh, mention with her becoming the first woman to officiate a Super Bowl. I also wanted to mention Nas Hillman. Did you hear about Nas Hillman? I did not. So Nas Hillman is a young woman who plays for the Michigan Wolverines. Okay. So this past week, the Michigan Wolverines did battle with number 17 Ohio State. In a game where Michigan lost by four points, 81 to 77, once again to number 17 Ohio State. However, Ms. Hillman scored the most points for Michigan basketball for men or women with 50 points. Wow. I just want to highlight her. That's it. Yeah. No, that's um she had 50 that's amazing. 77. <laughs> that's that that's truly remarkable. That's 75%. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. That's 60. 
67%, like two, yeah, I mean, that's. I didn't graduate because of numbers. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. I know that. We are here on journalism degrees, folks. 100%. 100%. And Green Bay is looking at a fourth and 17 after <laughs> after Aaron Rodgers goes down at the hands of, who was that? Was that Levante David? I think that oh, was. Man. Um, Most underrated player in the league. We that's a, That's a good conversation to have. I mean, every year. And it, it's funny, he's starting to get the recognition, but it's still like, he, he you know, he, he kind of reminds me of Drew Holiday, where the recognition is starting to come in, but he's still, like, you just watch him play and it's like, dude, this guy is good. Like, like, this guy is. Else. You put him in, and I'm sure whoever's listening to this who's a Tampa Bay fan is like, don't take him anywhere. Yeah. But <laughs> you put him somewhere like, like Green Pittsburgh, Bay. Even, even, yeah. even Green Bay. Pittsburgh. I was going to yeah. say Pittsburgh on the other side of a TJ Watt, and it's maybe people. Give him that recognition a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, but I think we've seen it a lot just around the league, especially in, in football. There's so many uh, great players that you know what I mean do mm-hmm. amazing things for their teams, but may not get the recognition for it. Uh, what else do I have? I have one more thing for uh, the women in sports, and Shanae Gumake is actually EPing, so she's executive producing an ESPN documentary on the 2020 season. Mm. The reason why I highlighted this is I just want to highlight that Shanae Ogumake is doing media better than everybody. Mm. I just want to highlight that. So from ESPN radio to podcasts to documentaries to just interviews, like if you if you listen to Shanae either conduct an interview or be interviewed, not very many people can do both, can go from being an athlete, speak about it from an athlete's perspective, and then also be the one in the chair asking the questions. Mm. The one in the chair acting as if you're a novice, even if you know the game. So I, I just think that Shanae Ogumake needs to be uh, recognized a lot more for what she's doing for media and being an executive producer about a documentary about a, a year that we will never forget, I think will start to put her in that upper echelon where she deserves. Um, where are we going to go? Actually, I think I do know where I'm going to go. Let's talk about this first or this news in the first month of the year really quick before we get out of here. Okay. Um, and when I say out of here, I'm talking about getting into some of the local news, some of these NFL uh, stories. But just so you guys know, in case you guys want to follow us on anything, we can be found on Twitter. Let's start with Twitter. Talk That Talk LV. Once again, we're on Twitter at Talk That Talk LV, on Instagram and on Facebook as Talk That Talk Radio Show. Once again, you can find us on Talk That Talk Radio Show. Same thing with SoundCloud. So, I wanted to get into a couple of these, uh, uh, just this, these news topics for for today. And I feel like with me, a lot of it is, a lot of it is trying to differentiate how much attention we give to certain things. Okay. Because especially when it comes to news, it gets difficult because you never want to seem like you're not paying something enough attention. Mm-hmm. So I came on last week and I mentioned Sandra Scully, the passing of oh. Sandra Scully. I mentioned the passing of Tommy Lasorda. Uh, I believe last year I wasn't on the air when we got the news about Kobe and I, oh. I, I even came on the week after and told everybody that I'm happy that I wasn't on air. Yeah, I would have been at the show. Exactly. That was, I would have 100%. We were in the newsroom. Yes. We both took an early day. I remember that. Absolutely, it was. It wasn't. It wasn't a good feeling by by no means. Mm-hmm. And two years before that, uh, I believe it was right after our radio show. 
that uh, the legend that is Nipsey Hussle was killed back home in L.A. So this was three straight years where the city of L.A. is mourning in the first quarter. And the moment that the calendar turned to 2021, we got news that Dr. Dre was in the hospital with a brain injury. Mm-hmm. And the very first thing in my head was, Nip, Kobe, y'all can't touch Dre. And that's just where I was. I was like, it sounds very, very selfish, but we need Dre. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know how else to say this. So seeing Dre get out of the hospital and and, and uh, not only get out of the hospital, but go straight to the studio, tells you a lot about where he was mentally and things of that nature. But I said all of that to say that L.A. is still hurting. Because in this past week, at the age of 75 years old, Dodger Hall of Famer Don Sutton passed away. And if you know anything about Don Sutton, he was a four-time All-Star. He has one All-Star game MVP. Sutton retired with more than 300 wins, and he was the ERA leader for one season. Uh, I, I just don't know what to say. At this present moment, we know what the Dodgers did uh, this past season in terms of winning their first World Series in 32 years. But in the immediate aftermath, losing Sam Buscelli, Tommy Lasorda, and Don Sutton, uh, I mean, I guess all I can say is part of me is just extremely happy that, uh, I guess part of me can say that I'm extremely happy simply because they got the chance to see that. And they got the chance to see another title and be a part of another title and just things of that nature. Um, what What are just some of your takeaways from uh, the early part of the year? It's, you know, this is kind of, uh, it might, this might get a little morbid, but I saw this, um, and this kind of, this relates actually to the Green Bay Packers. They lost um, form, their formal general manager, Ted Thompson, to COVID, I believe it was COVID-related complications um, at the age of 68. And I I believe Thompson was a part of the two first Super Bowl wins, and Super Bowl one and two. He was, was he a player? Was he so I would have to go back to see if he was a player, but as far as a GM, he is the GM that brought us Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. They drafted mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers and was a part of uh, – he was a GM when we won our Super Bowl 45 mm-hmm. against uh, Pittsburgh. But I saw this quote, and it was um, from a Packers-related uh, former player on Thompson, and I should have got the name, but um, – and it was uh, – he said, like, I'm, you know, it's – I'm watching all my former friends and teammates die. And when you really break it down like that, it's it's that's kind of the scary part for a lot of these, you know, the the older folks who were players in their day and then were um, a part of the organization in some aspect when, you know, they pass and like their teammates are going through that, you know, it, and that that's tough. And um, I saw someone comment on Reddit, you know, like that's the scary part about getting older is you see all your family and friends like in like imagine outliving them. You know, I told you it's going to get a little more, but I'm sorry, guys. No, no, it's no, no, no. <laughs> See, and that's why I love the name of the show, because the show is called Talk That Talk. And we we, we talk about things like this and we mm. talk about the world of sports. And, and this is unfortunately a part of it. So uh, when you mentioned Ted Thompson, for instance, he was a part of Super Bowl 31 as well in 1997 okay. when the Packers ousted the New England Patriots. Um, <laughs> he said I that proudly. He said that proudly, man. Ted ousted is fun, man. I'm telling you, it's something about it. Uh, so again, you kind of just mentioned it, but Ted Thompson is somebody else who passed away in this last week. Sixty-eight years of age, he is the general manager who drafted Aaron Rodgers and was a part and at the helm of that uh, Super Bowl win. Uh, what year was that? Twenty eleven, I want to say. I think I was in eleventh grade. Two thousand ten. Two thousand ten. See, even better. So, oh, so I was in eleventh grade, but I was going. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Nobody cares about that. Uh, but I do have two other uh, 
uh, notables to get to in terms of lives lost. But at the age of 86 years old, Hank Aaron also passed away in January. Uh, I believe it was on, do you remember exactly which day? I don't. I don't even mm-hmm. guess it. Let me not guess it. Um, but Hammer and Hank, who of course is a Hall of Famer, former MVP, Hammer and Hank was a 25-time All-Star. <laughs> That's, I mean, there's, how many, like, off the top of your head, how many how many athletes have played 25 years in an organized sport? Off the top of your head. I, mm, mm. I know. Far played what? Uh, let's see, it was 91 to 2011? So 20. <laughs> Add another Kobe five. Kobe played 20. Kobe played 20. Dirk, 20. Duncan, 20. Duncan, 20. Shaq played 18, 19. I was about to say same thing with KG, about 18, 19. Yeah. And then the thing is, too, with that, baseball would be the sport where you're seeing it the most. So mm-hmm. I would assume, let's look at some people like Jamie Moyer, um, Greg Maddox on campus. Of course, we know about Greg Maddox, um, pitching coach here at UNLV. And on a third and 10, Green Bay returns the favor with a sack of their own in terms of Kenny Clark bringing down Tom Brady. It's still 7 nothing. still in the first quarter, about three and a half to go in the first, uh, almost said first period, mm-hmm. in the first quarter. But to go over some more stats with Hammer and Hank, again, he's a Hall of uh, a Hall of Famer, former MVP, 25-time All-Star, three-time Gold Glover, two-time batting champ, and in 1957, he caught that elusive World Series. Um, 25-time All-Star, just saying that. One MVP. Can we talk about that? <laughs> how are you how are you an All-Star 25 times? You got one MVP. Who? How many uh, people didn't like the fact that Hammer and Hank was Hammer and Hank? Yeah. <laughs> 25 times that's that's ridiculous it makes no sense to me but again rest in peace to Ted Thompson Don Sutton and uh, Hammer and Hank Aaron another thing that I want to mention I I got the news I believe before UNLV's game against New Mexico I think it might have been the second game against New Mexico athletic director Desiree Reed Francois uh, she she tweeted out that the UNLV family was extremely uh, sad to hear that longtime UNLV fan supporter. I feel like calling this person a UNLV fan is kind of disrespectful, mm-hmm. only because that person was so much more than just a fan. But uh, we're talking about Randy Kimball. And if you know anything about UNLV, if you know, especially an immediate UNLV, let's talk about that. Randy is the person who was dressed up as a juice box when you had the squid juice. <laughs> so you know Randy if you know Randy. Mm-hmm. So Randy, uh, like I said, just to say he's a longtime UNLV fan is just, I feel like, extremely disrespectful. I think if you know the teams, if you know the players, uh, their relationship with Randy uh, makes it a lot more than that. So I just want to say rest in peace to Randy Kimball. Uh, I, I need that. I need the family to know that we are here for you guys as we've said before that we continue to push with you guys as we've said before it's never easy losing somebody um and again i couldn't imagine what the entire unlv family is is going through right now i've had conversations with randy plenty of them um but i know that there are a lot of people that he touched a a lot closer and a lot more uh, than just the conversations that I had with him. So rest in peace to Randy Kimball as well. 
and you know on speaking on Randy I think the program needs more fans like that mm. I think mm. that would be big for the teams and winning and creating a culture of and you know getting attracting young stars young recruits having a fan base like that you know um no, hundred percent no, yeah. and I wonder if UNLV knows. And I know that UNLV and and Randy's relationship was uh, clearly w- good, but um, you, yeah, it's just you you don't see very many of those fans that are going to be in the seats, whether it's your football bad, team yeah. is zero and six or whether your football team is. Three and three. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that that needs to be spoken about a little bit more. Uh, just how unfair weather Randy was, uh-huh. and I think that's that's what's really really important. Um, Thank you, fam. For sure, I, I'll tell one of the funny stories that I have about Randy as the first quarter of the NFC Championship winds down. Tampa Bay heads into the second quarter with a seven nothing lead. So where was I going with that? Oh, Randy's story. Mm-hmm. So. This was at the end of last year's game against New Mexico. That was the that was the uh, echo that I was hearing, by the way. The echo that I was hearing was we had the playback on in the studio. So, Randy led. So, if you know anything about where Randy would sit in the Thomas and Mac, Randy would sit in the section near where the away team would walk out. Okay. So, he would be right there, whether <laughs> heckling the, the, the other yeah. team or whatever the case may be. Uh, talking to their bench, just whatever. And at the end of the game where – it was the second game, I believe, against New Mexico, where Bryce scored 35, uh, Marvin went for his triple-double, things of that nature. Everybody was walking back out, and everybody was walking through, and this was a a time where I guess everybody was on the the court a little bit afterwards, kind of just relishing with with the fans. As every player started to walk out, Randy led an individual chant. For that player. I thought it was interesting because all the media is getting ready to go to the back. Mm-hmm. Everybody's grabbing their stuff. I think Marvin walks in right before me. Me and Marvin, we kind of say something. We keep walking. Randy starts to chant for me. Mm-hmm. And I kind of looked at Randy and my eyes got big and I was like, fam, what are you doing? <laughs> but that's just, that's just the person that Randy was. Um... Randy always wanted the people around him to know that he loved them, and I think that it's important at a time like this that we show Randy and we show his family that we love them as well. So I've spoken with Angela a couple of times since the news broke, um, and hopefully we can we can do some things in Randy's honor, especially with some of the stuff that we have coming up. Um, uh, uh, speaking about UNLV some more, uh, Dick Calvert, somebody who actually does uh, works with me very, very closely, uh, I tell people all the time I wouldn't have this full business idea and this plan if it wasn't for uh, for DC uh, Dick Calvert, who if you know if you come to Vegas, he was the voice of the Fifty Ones for so long. Okay. He's the voice of the Running Rebels. Uh, just if you know DC's history, just his history in baseball, just everything, everything, everything. Uh, brilliant mind to talk to, not just sports, but business, just life. Uh, a RJ story came out, I believe, the top of the year that DC was suffering from um, COVID mm-hmm. at the end of last year. 
they said that I believe that the COVID is gone, but it's still an uphill battle just from the things that it left behind residue. Yep. Yep. So we want to wish, 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 wish a speedy recovery to DC. Uh, that's a mentor for me that uh, I hold near and dear. So again, without DC, this uh, full conglomerate that we're building probably does not exist. So I will admit that I just want to give DC his um, his flowers now because uh we we don't need to to wait until something horrible happens mm -hmm. for us to to tell each other that we love each other and and actually love on each other. Um I just have two more points in there uh basketball points too. So I've told you guys before that me and me and Tyler for sure we have summer league stories. <laughs> and one of my favorite summer league stories is uh people always tell me that if you meet Magic Johnson like if he talks to you he's he will make you feel like you're the only person in the building. Mm. I had the chance to speak with Magic and I was like, "Oh, for sure that happens." Like I I get why people said that. However, tie game in a matter of seconds. <laughs> in a matter of seconds. 53 seconds into the second quarter, Marquez Valdez Scantlin was just found by Aaron Rodgers. And the Packers are on the board, pending an extra point. Right now, the score is seven to six. Again, pending that extra point from Mason Crosby. And that's what, again, I know we're kind of deviating from the point, but exactly what just happened right there was what I figured this game would come down to. This game would come down to whether or not, because when you look at Tampa Bay's defense, not that their defense is bad by no means. Mm -hmm. But if you had to pick a, por a portion of their defense to pick on, secondary, it's absolutely not their front seven. No, no, no. no. <laughs> so yeah. if 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 Rodgers can if Aaron Rodgers can find his receivers out in space, mm -hmm. I wasn't sure that this game was going to be close. Rodgers is so good at those uh, those those sideline routes, not the back shoulder, but like just the go routes. Uh, him and Devontae Adams, it's like clockwork. You literally have to drop it in a bucket. Yeah, and it's like just I don't know how many other people can drop a football in the bucket the way that Aaron Rodgers can. Mm -hmm. uh, but we, of course, we have stories from Summer League, and one of the things that I thought was funny, if you guys are listening to this, we do know that the studio sounds a little weird, but, again, sorry, guys, bear, bear with us. But it's kind of weird to me only because nobody talked about Mark Cuban. And Mark Cuban is one of the only people that I remember. Well, Magic did it too, but Mark specifically – I went to interview him. He said, "Yeah, he said, yeah, go ahead and pull up a chair, whatever, whatever." I pull up, put up a chair, and we're courtside. Meanwhile, the game starts again. I'm in Tim Hardaway's seat. I'm looking at Mark Cuban like, "Fam, you just got me sitting here." So Tim Hardaway comes over. Mark looks at him and was like, "Oh, come over here. Come sit on. Come sit by me." And Tim is just looking like, "What the? What the hell just happened?" So uh, Mark sits down, and I get I get ready to start asking my question. Mark cuts me off. Mark said, "Wait, wait, wait. wait. What was your name again?" I said, "Terrell." He said. Okay, Terrell, nice to meet you. I'm Mark Cuban. Of course, I know who you are. Let's get this interview popping. Every time that Mark Cuban saw me the rest of Summer League, hey, Terrell, how's it going? Mm. That's the best. Just like someone from our, our side, like as a reporter, having that chemistry and just having that, that, that trust, that just first name basis on with like anyone that's high profile, that's, uh, it's the most reassuring thing. It's, um, Reassuring is a good word. They're treating you like a human rather than just like, so like an annoyance. I feel like a lot of athletes, high-profile people, treat the media like an annoyance, which is you know it's fine because they like a lot of the media can be annoying as hell sometimes. For sure, but <laughs> for sure. Yeah, man, it's just that that's awesome though. 
uh, what I will say, this wasn't on my topic list right now, but um, I finally had that first moment with Coach K recently. I don't know if you've seen what Coach K did, but there was a student reporter who asked, what was the next step for the team? Okay. And with all due respect, uh, it was a valid question, but sometimes asking a question like that open, just completely open-ended after a loss, you kind of you get what you get. However, there was nothing asked in that question that prompted Coach K's response. Mm. And Coach K's response was simply put, he cut him off, first of all, which as a reporter, you guys have seen me interact with Tony Sanchez. And people thought that me and Tony Sanchez did not get along. I don't know if Tony Sanchez personally likes me. Here was my answer the entire time, though. I don't care. Yeah. So that's the only difference. So when I would ask a certain question and Sanchez would cut me off, I would laugh. And I would look at so like either I would look at Ed Graney and I would look and be like, he didn't he didn't get my question. He didn't get it. So if you want to play this game where you want to make me look dumb, oh, we're we're gonna play this game. And I'm gonna make you look really crazy. Yeah. So for instance, when it came to Sanchez, people asked or people thought that I've um has it against him because I was like, I noticed during one game. Nobody were asking was asking questions about the basketball champ. We want basketball. I think I told him I was like the team had just came out of halftime, punted on their first drive, and the fans are yelling, "We want basketball." You want to respond? <laughs> like just plain and simple. Everybody yeah. else heard it. Why is everybody else acting acting afraid to to ask the question? So anyway, I said all of that to say, we're we've built the relationship with the NBA to where they know us by face and they know what we're here to do. They know what type of angles that we're going to go for. Um, the thing with that, we don't know Mark, Mark Cuban personally, but when news broke that Mark Cuban went and picked up Delonte West mm. from the side of the road and took him himself to a rehab facility it was like nothing surprising, you know. That's not kinda, a thing of not not yeah. a thing of that was surprising to me. It's kind of that's not even news. That's just it, it was more of just like you know that's kind of expected by Mark because everyone in the Dallas organization that's been a part of it played for one season or twenty. Everyone True. loves Mark, you know. JJ Barea is another person that we just saw Mark take care of. Now, one thing that always happens whenever Mark Cuban gets brought up is uh, the sexual harassment in HR. Yep. Yep. And what I will say is whether or not you believe that Mark knew about it and tried to sweep, sweep it up under the rug, I tell people all the time, you cannot be mad at a person for making the mistake and get mad at them for correcting it. Mm. You got to pick one. Exactly. So Great point, yeah. I think regardless of whether you feel like he handled it wrong in the beginning, I don't think that we can say that Mark Cuban hasn't attempted to be some sort of a model uh, is it? Is it not even called an owner anymore, right? It's governor since yeah, yeah. since that situation has taken place, and in the middle of this conversation, Chris Godwin is absolutely terrorizing this Packers secondary right now. Um, oh, I'm not even sure what to say because <laughs> Tom Brady does this often, where he goes yeah. to different teams and you look at a receiver, whether even Scotty Miller here for Tampa, it's like, oh, he can play. Chris Hogan, oh, he can play. And then you see him with Tom Brady, and it's like, yo, is this the second coming of Jerry? Like, who is this? You want to hear one of the most Tom Brady stats there is? I need one. Give me one. He has more NS he has more wins against NFC opponents in the playoffs than Drew Brees does in their careers. 
is that not the most WTF stat you heard? <laughs> Dude, I saw that and I was like, no. That doesn't make that's any sense. That's the most Tom Brady stat there is. If there was a Tom Brady stat, that's the one. Speaking of a Tom Brady stat, I think Tom Brady stats usually end or lead with his team leading. And that's what's happening right now. <laughs> Leonard Fournette just went ahead and found the end zone, pinning an extra point. It's 13-7 Tampa Bay. Um, it's interesting to see not only did Mark Cuban do that, Mark Cuban went ahead and he's been very vocal about promising to give us updates. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know how many people were actually following that, wanted to know things of that nature, but I was one of those people. And I think maybe two weeks after he took him, he said, it, it's true, Delonte's there. I just checked on him recently, like he's great, whatever, whatever. He gave another update this past week. I'm going to actually start this little portion off with the round of applause because Delonte West has not only finished his rehab, Delonte West now works at that rehab. I saw that. I saw that. And so Mark Cuban provided that update? I'm pretty sure. That's awesome. Oh, no, I thought you meant opportunity. The update, yes. Okay, the update, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So in addition to that, Delonte West has been reunited with his mother. That's awesome. So I have another over-under for Delonte West. Okay. I know that this COVID has kind of messed everything up. But I need to know, does Delonte West have more or less than a 50% chance to play in the big three? Ooh. Hmm. Now, the big three, they canceled their season this year. Right? Yes. I haven't seen anything. Okay. Uh... I'm hoping that the COVID didn't ruin the league itself, and I'm hoping it can kick back up when everything no, is yeah. off. I think Ice Cube said like that. He's not gonna let. It. They're like he's. Thank you. He he's not gonna let it. I was hoping it didn't die out after two years. And and the big three is good. Yeah, it's dude, a good it's league. Scrappy man. It's and you know the thing I love about the big three is uh, no matter how old you are, the competitiveness in you that does not waver, does not go away. Like at it, all. <laughs> that's what I love at about all. the big three. Those guys are. I mean. Nate Robinson, he was you know, he fought someone. I forgot who it was. Him and Rashad McCants had a couple of run ins. <laughs> I was like, what are you what are you guys doing right yeah, now? Man. And uh um now for the over or for the more or less. Right. Ah, um more so I'm gonna say more, right? Because he's more More than fifty percent chance to more play. than okay, yeah. Uh yeah, I'll say more. Um I think a lot of you know, I think Delonte West situation kind of brings up um, a bigger point about how we need to continue to check on, well, for pro athletes, you mm. know, their former teammates, because mm. not everyone has an easy ride to retirement. Not even everyone, you know, what I'm saying. So I think, including Delonte West, maybe not as a player at first, but maybe just some involvement in the big three. I think that'd be big, as like an like advisory that. kind of role. I like something. that you said not as a player because I wrote this 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 odd down. And when I wrote it down, the first thing that went through my mind was, is it, could it be potentially dangerous to put Delonte back in that type of setting? Mm. That uh, Rolling Stone lifestyle where you're from city to city playing for a bunch of people. I just, I wonder if that, that was kind of the only question in my head. Cause to go along with you, my answer was yes, I believe it's more than 50%. Uh, but I like the way that you tweaked it. Maybe in an advisory role, maybe even a coach. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Like I'll take that because Delonte never forgot basketball. Like mm-hmm. I think even it's it's proven even when Delonte uh, was getting better, 
him playing the game yeah. was still something that he wanted to do, whether he just wanted to shoot around or whatever the case may be. So I think that was important to, uh, to realize as well. And I think the last point that I have for news in this first month, a lot has been made about Kyrie Irving. And yeah. I asked Salim last week if Kyrie Irving hates his job. <laughs> and Salim said, yes, he does. So then I asked Salim a follow-up question. I said, so here's the question that I have. What's his job? Because I have a question for you when, when we're on Kyrie. When, on Kyrie? When you're, when you're done making your point, when you're, when, when you're done. Okay. Uh, I, I asked him what was his job because I spoke to him and I said, if basketball is Kyrie's job, Kyrie is fine with that. Mm, media, team meetings. Mm, eh. mm, media appearances. He's like, mm, why? I don't want to do that. But I think as much attention gets brought to, to Kyrie's negative antics, quote-unquote, because it's whether you deem it as negative, I think that not enough attention gets paid to what philanthropic, I don't even want to say it wrong, but philanthropic work that uh, Kyrie does. Kyrie... He brought, didn't he recently buy a house for George Floyd's family? And that was the news where Stephen, I was going. Yeah, Stephen Jackson. And that was the news where I was going because as much people, as many people wanted us to talk about Kyrie thinking the earth was flat or Kyrie being away for personal reasons or Kyrie being around his family without a mask. Why Why is this same story not being brought to, to the limelight? It's because people don't care about the players outside of the game. Hmm. A, lot of, a lot of casual fans just want to see their guy, just want to see them dribble a basketball and just score points, do have fancy crossovers and stuff. No one actually... I mean, yeah, I mean, some people do, but a lot of people don't care what these guys do off. Like, uh, if they're not doing what, if they're not, if they're doing something off the court that jeopardizes what they do on the court, mm. then they're like, nah, nah, ah, oh, they're 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 the, just kind of like you know, a lot of people were calling Harden absolutely horrible things. Absolutely. Even though, I mean, say what you want about James Harden, <laughs> <laughs> and the whole strip clubs, or whatever. But like that's right. Salim said one of the funniest things in the world. I think Salim said, uh, (laughs) Salim is Florida man, just Florida man in his purest form. Uh, Salim says something along the lines of James Harden plays basketball with beer and strip club chicken wings in his belly. And I was like, fam, I mean, you got to give him another MVP for that, in my opinion. He showed up in game one and dropped 44 on the Blazers. Just, and he was, you could tell he hadn't. (laughs) <laughs> he hadn't played up and down on the court like that in a minute. Boy, he was working, but he was. I mean, when, you, when you're, it's it's crazy. But my question for you on Kyrie, yes, sir. As someone who, you know, as what we do, mm-hmm. when Kyrie made that comment about the media and pawns, mm-hmm. what was your reaction to it? Um, I try, I'm, I'm gonna try not to answer with the. Uh, Scenario because I went straight to a KD situation. Um, I didn't take it personally, mm-hmm. only because I think exactly what you said earlier when you were mentioning the media and you were like, sometimes the media does ask dumb questions. Like, I think athletes respect people like you because it's certain ways to um, deal with athletes. Mm-hmm. And coaches and every everything, uh, fighters, like, all, all of it is different. All of it is different. Covering a mixed martial arts fight is completely different from covering a game. 
after after a team loses as opposed to when a fighter loses. So um, I think that there is a certain coof that comes with it. And I think as long as you have that coof, that statement didn't bother you. And I feel like the same people that ran with that statement are the same people that put in like a Monday morning paper that Kyrie thinks the earth is flat. Did that matter in your sports page? Exactly. No. So you wonder why Kyrie is looking at you like you're a pawn. I, hell, I might look at you like you're a pawn too. Mm-hmm. Now, I what I'll say is I did like Stephen A's response to it, where he was like, you know, I know the media can be a pain in the ass at times. For sure. But the media is part of the reason why you get paid the money you do. That was a killer response. That was an amazing response. From, because I mean, it goes back to what we just said right now. Him buying a house for George Floyd. You have certain media members that know we're drawing attention to this. Stephen mm-hmm. Jackson, he's a media member. He drew attention to it. Mm-hmm. So I think that what Kyrie should do is understand that everybody's not like you and me. Everybody's not going to hear that and be like, eh, he's not really talking to me. You get what I'm saying? So a lot of people are gonna hear that and it's like, well, I've never said anything personal to Kyrie, and they they take it personally. So I think as far as Kyrie, he needs to work on what I think other humans need to work on, which is just not generalizing everybody. But again, I think that kind of just goes back to why Kyrie doesn't want to talk. Because if Kyrie says that I'm not focused on pawns who are trying to hear my words just to twist them. Mm. We were taught, well, I don't know how everybody was taught, but I was taught at a young age, it's pointless to argue with a person who has no value in your point. They're never going to get it. They're never going to see it. They're never going to hear it. They're always going to listen to respond. So why waste your breath? Mm -hmm. The same people that was like, Kyrie caught the media pawns. Kyrie caught the media pawns. That's why. Yeah. (laughs) Look at what you guys are hanging on to. Mm -hmm. Kyrie did. That was his first time doing media in how long? And the story wasn't Kyrie does media. It was Kyrie caught the media pawns. Didn't Kyrie just not talk to y'all? And y'all said that y'all wanted him to talk to you? And then he talked. And now it's like, oh, he didn't say the right thing. Mm -hmm. Cool. So I'm going back to not talking to you now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I told Celine too, and I'm just gonna leave this question open ended. I don't even have an over under. I don't have an odd. I don't have any of these things. How long before we wake up to the news that Kyrie Irving retired? Well, he's been on air before saying he's doesn't want to play past his early thirties. You know, um, I'll give it three years. That's what I wanted to say too, like Becky Hammond. Is it over or under three? Right at three? Give uh, me right where is it at? I'm about to do the, the, the three and a half like the sports. Oh here. man! Because if it's three and a half, I'm going under. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. might go under. If it's three and a half for sure under, but if it's three on the dot, I might be looking at a push here. <laughs> um, Kyrie seems like the type that will retire in the middle of the season. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh, okay. Last question before I get off of this. Last question before <laughs> I get into local news. Does Kevin Durant regret his decision yet? Uh, I don't think so. Um, now it's too early to tell. Hmm. You know? Uh, but you can tell that. In, I think. Now I, I can't put I can't put thoughts in Kevin Durant's head and act like I know. You know what I'm saying? But if I had to guess, I think the whole thing was after after the decision to leave OKC. A lot of people were dogging K, KD on his name, saying you know right. oh, he's the weak way out, or like you know and stuff like shit like that or whatever. I mean, and I hated the move at the time, too. Right. I was one of those people who were like, oh, you know, cupcake, blah, 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 <laughs> dumb shit like that. But I think KD, I think in Golden State, 
part of me thinks that he wanted to be the guy. Hmm. But you're going to a team with Steph Curry on it and what he did those three pre- two, three previous years. You can't – you know what I'm saying? And there was no way that hmm. the fans would ever – so I don't know. It's tough. I don't think he regrets it, though. Um, I think – I know this, situ- this season's been weird as hell Super. for sure. Um, but, I mean – he he's got to he's got to they got to win. I'll say that they they must win. I think that's still the end all be all. They have to win. But I think what gets me about that is I don't think KD regrets his decision. I do think that he regrets Kyrie being his second. <laughs> I think that maybe he he would still take Kyrie on the team as the third, but him and James or him and Paul George. I know I'm just saying random names, but him and Kawhi. If if it would have been him and somebody else, and we bring Kawhi, or we bring Kyrie with us, as opposed to it being like him and Kyrie, because now it seems like, I mean, I'm sure that they've had some sort of conversations, but, and I'm sure that Kyrie, or excuse me, Katie knows Kyrie enough to know, this is who he is, this is how he acts, this is even if he gets into his feelings and he doesn't want to speak for whatever, whatever, or if he handles stress this way, whatever it is. I do think he knows Kyrie. I do think it's different when you're – I'll put it this way. Let me do this. I've had some best friends in high school, right, which is great. I have some friends that I love to death that I will not do a group project with. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, for sure, because you know – You're not going to do anything. <laughs> you're just not. Like, whenever I really need you, you're not going to answer the phone – like, you're going to need me to understand, like, something that happened in your day. Like, it always happens when we rely on you for something. So, I just wonder how much of KD, with all due respect, we, we heard from Kendrick Perkins. That's what happened in Houston. Mm. We heard that Russell Westbrook is the type that will go to his house, chill, hotel room, chill. James, why are you partying? Mm. I think you have so, you have three such polarizing personalities in those three. hundred percent. It's some crazy way the universe that shit might just work. <laughs> and they might just win. Do they, okay, so it, okay, yeah, I'm not even gonna ask. Because I was about to say if they win one, like is it just is it one? Well yeah, because I think here's my thing. If they win one, I think Kyrie's retirement date gets put like a, a closer. If, For if sure. it's coming closer. I don't think you know I now with Ky- with uh Kevin and James, you mm-hmm. know those guys are just competitors by spirit. You know, so they might want to keep going, but Kyrie, you know. I'm trying to think if they would add somebody else to it. And I think that it also depends how the culture was with those three, you know? True, true. And what if they build, because hopefully they don't switch it up, because, what, two or three years ago, that D'Angelo Russell-led Brooklyn team had an energy about them that everybody wanted to go play for them. That's what I'm saying, man. And D'Lo... You know, I saw a Nets fan the other day. He made a really awesome point. Uh, he was like, shout out to D'Angelo Russell. Hmm. For, because without him, I don't think we'd be, this would be possible. It, it wouldn't. And I, I was like, would. that is an amazing point. And I kind of feel bad for D'Lo because he's kind of, I, you know, I, I was kind of thinking about this the other day. and um, Like, he's just gotten the shit out of the stick, it seems like. Ever since Magic joined the, Laker, like, joined the Lakers as a G, GM role or whatever he had, vice president of operations. I don't know, I feel like D'Lo is just kind of always on the short end of something bigger about to happen. 
And the thing is with that, too, I think that D'Lo is one of those people that he may bounce around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not that he's a bad player, but because he's wanted and they feel like he can take that next step with them. I think that we, we talked about it before. We talked about it in the summer league. Doing it loves taking pride in the fact that we were – Kind of, I mean, you know how summer league is when the floor, when you're on the floor, and everybody's talking and clamoring. You hear about potential trades or deals, and I was standing next to Melo at USA Basketball practice, and I met Melo in high school and uh, spoke with him. And somebody walked up to Melo and was like, "Good luck in Houston." And this was like a month before it broke. And Melo's eyes got big and looked at him, and I looked at Melo and I just started laughing. And Melo kind of looked at me like, "Ain't that some shit, bro? Like you gotta shut up. You gotta oh. shut up." You have to shut up, bro. <laughs> and I was, just, I was standing next to Melo just laughing like, bro, this is hilarious, fam. So I think uh, Duda is one of those people that takes extreme pride in the fact that we were there when D'Angelo Russell was uh, sitting next to Carl Anthony Towns. And we were like, oh, it's the only thing that makes sense. Send him to Minnesota. It's probably, it's probably going to be a year where you guys are – hopefully trying to attract somebody, and then that following year, go get Devin Booker. When that news broke that he signed in Golden State, we all looked at each other and said, okay, well, we didn't really count for that. <laughs> we didn't really count for that one. But it was always in the background. And then when the trade happened, we all hit the group chat and was like, see, we knew we were right. Like, we knew we were right. So I think with D'Angelo Russell, it seems like he is going to bounce around a little bit, but I do think if D'Angelo Russell goes to a place like a Phoenix – if he goes to a place like, um, I even thought Brooklyn. But when Brooklyn gets a Kyrie Irving, you got to kind of move, right? That's what I'm saying. But I think even if he was to reunite with Brooklyn, I think, or if he was to go to a, um, the team that I just said, who did I just say? Um, Phoenix. Phoenix. Uh, I think that he can find something that sticks, most definitely. I still have a crazy theory. Not really crazy. Um, Russ, Katie, and Harden, they're going to finish their careers together. Probably take it on a lesser paycheck. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, there's no way that they're, they're all still best best friends. You know, it, the, don't let the whole you know media, and I know you know this, but don't like to our listeners, do not let the whole oh well, well uh, Russ and Harden, you know, they didn't get along, and he said oh, they are still brothers. That's <laughs> those are brothers button heads. For about, sure, th- they're still brothers. Just like the whole OKC Golden State those those wars. You know, those were some fun-ass regular season games and matchups with Different. You know, KD. Like, that was – and Russ, and they were just buttheads. Those are brothers at the end of the day. They're going to join back. I don't – they probably won't win one together, though, because they'll be old heads by then. But and look at the storyline, too, because Russ's – or KD's first season in Golden State, Russ goes on his run, makes the postseason, wins the MVP, but his first round he has to play Houston. <laughs> I just thought it was amazing. I was like, you don't beat this. Like, I know Russell Westbrook is sitting there looking in the mirror like, yo, I smack all y'all. I smack every single last one of y'all. Um, so as we're looking at this Green Bay game, it's 14-7 to still. It's a third and goal. Looking like a fourth and goal after Devontae Adams was ruled out of bounds. Therefore, the pass was ruled incomplete. That double move on the inside his, his, his was, oh, my gosh. He has the most impeccable footwork in the league. I mean, look. That's where I was going to go. I was going to go who has better footwork oh, in the league. Lazard. Alan Lazard is doing this thing, too. Again, it looks like Green Bay will line up for this uh, field goal for this field goal try. I don't like when they tell me that kickers are uh, are perfect on the season. The moment they tell us that, things go left. Oh, I know. And Al Michaels is the absolute worst. <laughs> like, uh, he, dude's a uh, Hall of Fame legendary commentator, but every time he's oh, here comes Justin Tucker. This guy's been perfect. Doink. 
<laughs> no, this season, what I do not want, and I, we're going to get into football now, guys. What I do not want from this season is for people to look back and start saying bad things about Justin Tucker. Justin oh, Tucker no, no, no. had three or four bad games this year. There was a point in time where during fantasy football, <laughs> I'm getting Justin Tucker. <laughs> because regardless of what you say, he's going to give me seven points every week. Like, regardless. I had one kicker. I used to draft the kicker. And people used to be like, you're drafting a kicker. No, I'm drafting Justin Tucker. Yeah, the difference. He's a little different. He's a little different than just a kicker. So I, I think if, if, for instance, the Ravens were to part ways with him, grave mistake. No, there'd be 25 teams lined up with their hands raised. Hey, over here. I think the Packers will be one. Oh, yeah. Mason, and Mason oh, Crosby is there. there right? But Mason missed, and this is slightly just like kind of on a tangent, Mason missed four field goals against Detroit last year or either two years ago and it was one of those things to where Aaron they asked Aaron after the game like four like you all you needed was two yeah. and the game is over and like Aaron said Aaron said how many wins would I have or how many how many losses would I have if it wasn't for a last minute field goal by him it balances out he was like he missed four field goals and cost us one game I think that's one, fine one thing I've learned over the years as an NFL fan is if you're putting a loss on a kicker you're not looking at the bigger picture. You, you didn't do your job. There's you didn't else. do your job. It's not It's not always the kicker. Football, it's a team game. Hmm. So, speaking about football being a team game. Except if you're Marlon McCree. I'm sorry, Chargers fans. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what's funny? Random, random, random. Because You know what? No, let's do it now. Let's do it now. Uh, let's talk about these coaching hires real quick. Yes. Let's talk about Detroit for a second. Dan Campbell. Right? Bro, what the hell? <laughs> I you know this year I've been I've been a little out of the loop with football. Is was it a bad hire? Like I'm, it's I'm not, not asking you. I um. Or is it just a retread? Kind of like a. Is it kind of like a? We know what we're gonna get out of this guy. Is he Matt Patricia in. 2.0? That's see that's what a lot of people are saying is like is he just gonna come in preach about hard nose? We're gonna kick your ass for sixty minutes. Yes, and then, and that's exactly then, what he's oh, doing. Okay, okay, okay. If you don't get <laughs> players that can actually whoop ass, it doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. So uh, and then the first move is saying that you're parting with Matthew Stafford. <laughs> Fam, who's your quarterback? Yeah. Um, okay, so here's here's where I'm going to go with this. I don't know if it's a bad hire because I didn't necessarily like you're, – you're a Giant fan. I was a Knicks Once. fan. That was horrible. <laughs> I officially – okay, so to the listeners, I officially it, renounced my fandom from the New York Giants on Facebook about two days ago. You can't, bro. I did, and I posted <laughs> a GIF with it of um, – uh, Jack from Titanic, where he's doing the freedom thing. Oh, freedom. Man. That was me. I'm done. Bro. There. I'm just throwing in the towel. You know, <laughs> I could spend another two hours on why I'm done, but I'm done, man. Thank. Hey, much love, Eli, Coach Coughlin, Odell. Love you guys. Those two Super Bowls always hold a place in my heart, but I'm throwing in the towel. Can't do it anymore. And I. And the funny thing is, the people that you just apologize to, they're no longer with the organization either. So, only person that might look at you and say, "Give it another go," is Eli. Like everybody <laughs> else is probably like, oh, yeah, "Whatever, bro. <laughs> Whatever, oh, fam." Oh my gosh. Um, but I, what got me was I'm gonna send you a link after this, okay. and uh, it reminded me of Keith Brookie leading Dallas into a playoff game. And if you know anything about Keith Brookin and what he did for the Atlanta Falcons, Keith Brookin was a linebacker that he's a staple in the league. You know where Keith Brookin yep. is. Yep. However, he went to Dallas in his late in his later years mm -hmm. and he was doing the pregame uh just just the pregame hype speech. And he said um and it, it started off amazing. The stage is set. 
He was like, he was like, uh, basically, like we got, we get to write our own story, like all these different things. He said, but there, he said, um, we're in their living room. He said, so we got to make a choice. He says, so what are we gonna choose to do? And I'm, I'm with him all up to this point. And then Keith Brooking goes, we're gonna scratch, we're gonna claw, we're gonna bleed for each other. <laughs> and you seen the players that was hyped up? They kind of stopped and looked at him like, fam, what? Right, old man. <laughs> and I believe that that was the game that Tony Romo fumbled the uh, extra point. And when it happened, I looked at my dad and said, it's Keith's fault. I blame Keith. I blame Keith. Oh, I'm blaming him for that. So I seen Dan Campbell and retweeted Keith's thing and was like, it reminds me of this. And if you know it about Dan Campbell, Dan Campbell played tight end for the Cowboys. Yeah. And the Giants. I said, it's Dallas. I said, there it is. I said, I blame Dallas. That's why Dan Campbell is acting the way he is. I blame Dallas. Whatever's in the Dallas water is the same thing that Keith Brooking gave Dallas before that Seattle playoff game. It didn't work. Um, Again, in all seriousness, uh, I think Twitter really blew up when, when Dan Campbell was hired, only because everybody was like, okay, Eric Bieniemy really isn't getting a job now. Like, now we get it. Like, he's – why, though? And – um. Tom Brady is beginning to slowly pick apart this Green Bay defense on a third and two. He finds Chris Godwin again. It's 14 to 10 with 341 to go in the first half. Um, where's that? Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy. Here's Thank the you. thing. We know why he's going to get hired, but we, we know why. Or why he's not, why he hasn't gotten hired, my bad. Why, we know why, because everyone wants to, you know, there's a bigger issue, which hmm. we'll leave for the listener. You guys probably interpret it. And, and one day I want to actually bring on somebody to speak about the actual the coach the, the coaching pipeline and the Rooney Rule and things of that nature. Only because this is where once the Dan Campbell hire happened, I was upset after Arthur after Arthur Smith was hired down in Atlanta. You wasn't on this show, so I'll tell you now. A lot of people like the Arthur Smith hire. I'm not saying that I don't like it. My only issue is they said that Arthur, Arthur Smith was given a job because he was the offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans. Look at their offense, whatever, whatever. My main thing was, okay, cool, he was the offensive coordinator. Let's look at that running backs coach, too. I looked at the running backs coach, and the running backs coach name is Tony Dews. Tony Dews in 2006 was UNLV special teams and linebacker coach. Oh, wow. So I didn't know that. So I did my research on Tony Dews. And Tony Dews has been a running back coach for the last three seasons in Tennessee. Wow, funny enough, aren't those Derrick Henry's best three years of his career? No question. Yeah, okay. So it's interesting that you point that out, because then I was like, oh, okay, I get it. The offense isn't just a running back. Duh, you have a quarterback. Let's check that. Tennessee was last in yards and second to last in attempts. <laughs> Why did Arthur Smith get that job again? And it's funny because... Like you said, oh, well, it was the Titans offense that he got the job. But what about the Chiefs offense? I mean, what the hell? Everyone's like, oh, it's Andy Reid. I mean, what does Eric Bieniemy just do? Sit there and just take notes? Hell no. He's vocal. He's given them. He's, I don't know if he's the play caller. Is that Reid? I think Reid is. But I mean, like, if you think that designs? Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid do not talk and come up with an offensive I'm, game plan throughout the week, you're crazy. NFL fans are just so, I mean, they just. So now i got a question for you. That's no, it. I was upset after the Arthur Smith hire. Okay. The Dan Campbell hire brought something, in my opinion, to fruition. 
Andy Reid had, in most people's opinion, a Hall of Fame career minus a Super Bowl last year. He added that Super Bowl to his resume. Are we sure that Andy Reid has not had a conversation with Eric Bieniemy and made him aware that if he wins a back-to-back Super Bowl, that he'll retire? And Eric Bieniemy and Harris Casey as is? Mm-hmm. If I'm Eric Bieniemy, do I want another job if I know that Andy is about to retire? That's true. I mean, because let's be real here. Uh, <laughs> that Chiefs team, I mean, just Mahomes in general. I mean, that's, that's, that's a must-have, right? Um, Honestly, I think Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey, we got to, at some point, if they win another Super Bowl, we got to be like, fam, break them up. <laughs> Somebody go somewhere else. That sounds like a real hater like mentality, but it is what it is. Yeah, That's a crazy trio. I think it's. I think that's a legit possibility. Now, but here's my thing, though. Andy Reid looks like he's having a lot of fun coaching, and that that's hard to give up for them. I I feel like. Do you think that he would retire as a coach and still come back in some sort of capacity in the yes, front office? Yes, advisory role. Uh, absolutely. Uh, that's what I was kind of hoping. Mm. This is this isn't even remotely the same. But uh, as a Pelicans fan, I was hoping that's what we would do with Alvin Gentry instead of, you know, firing him. It was more of. Hey, do you want to kind of come up to the front office? We bring you some new, you know that that's what I, that's what I was hoping. Because in terms Alvin. of development, you can't say Alvin don't. Yeah, or doesn't develop, I should say. Uh, so if you're watching this Green Bay game, uh, Green Bay again has the ball, down four, 14 to ten with two minutes to go. Uh, just to give you guys a couple of breakdowns and storylines from today's uh, game. Of course, you just said it was a team game. You keep talking about how it was a team game, how it is a team game. Everybody's talked about Brady versus uh, Rodgers. Plain and simple. Six rings versus one ring. Uh, Salim said that he doesn't care about rings. Aaron Rodgers is his GOAT. Like, forget the well, best no, and wait, the no. GOAT. I'm listening. Talk That's to That's funny coming from a Miami Dolphins fan. Who <laughs> <laughs> watched Brady humiliate his team for 20 years. I'll, that's, I'll say that. Shout out to Salim, though. There's a reason why Salim feels the way that he does. Trust me. <laughs> That's hilarious. I asked Salim, too, in all honesty. I said, Salim. Could it be possible that Miami fans walked out of the Tom Brady era and into the Josh Allen one? Mm. What he say? He said he doesn't think that that twenty year run by New England will ever be duplicated again. Oh, never mind. That's that. Yeah, that's the outlier. <laughs> it was so hard. Once he said it, I was like, ah. Brady has <laughs> Brady and Belichick skewed what it means to win a ring because they did that shit six times and the goats. Some of the some of the legendary players don't even get one. Don't even sniff one, like Dan Marino. I know we talk a lot about Bron's, LeBron James's, uh, just legacy and just what he, his imprint that he's left on the league. Tom Brady has been in the AFC championship or has been in the conference championship seventeen of his twenty-one seasons. <laughs> That's like on track with the twenty-five time ball. Stuff. Like how? <laughs> it's it's you're in the final four almost every year. Uh, it's it's absurd. It's like what is the and and hey man, you say what you want about Belichick, he's one for one without him. Like, he's one for one in the conference championship, getting there without him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, of course, everybody is, is questioning GOAT versus best. Is this going to be the the moment that if Aaron Rodgers gets this win, he solidifies that you're a better quarterback than, than Tom Brady? Maybe you, might, maybe you might not have the better career, but if he wins today, does that solidify that he's a better quarterback than Tom Brady? Um... I think he's a more talented quarterback than Tom Brady. I don't think he's a better quarterback than Tom Brady. I think Rodgers okay. probably the most talented quarterback we've ever seen. Mahomes might have something to say about that when it's all said and done. For sure. I think Rodgers just has 
an innate ability to just make plays that could make you go WTF. But when you think about everything, you know, uh, you know, leadership, clutch, clutch factor, uh, even the stats. I mean, I think Brady's un- untouchable. And especially being uh, somebody who grew up a Packers fan and things of that nature, whenever I hear clutch, I'm forever going to look and say, who has more Hail Mary, Hail Mary completions in the last 10 seconds of a game than Aaron Rodgers? So That's true. I'm always going to go there. But, um, I mean, this is what I will say. Growing up a Packer fan, people ask me, like, for instance, the top of the year, they ask me, hey, what do you, what do you think about uh, the NFC and AFC championships? I think the NFC, I said, uh, I was leaning toward Tampa and Seattle. I said, once the season kind of started two weeks in, three weeks in, I was like, maybe New Orleans. Like, maybe New Orleans can squeak in there. And everybody was like, you're a, you love the Packers. Wait, you haven't set the Packers yet. And I've told everybody, I'm, <laughs> I've always been honest in terms of being an Angel fan. Like, if the Angels do something great, I'd be like, wow, that's a shocker. The Pacers were consistently in the playoffs. If we make an Eastern Conference Finals, that, that, those are our wins, things like that. So when it comes to Aaron, Rod- Aaron Rodgers-led Packers team, first of all, let me explain to people that I've told people, being a Packer fan, I don't know what a bad quarterback is. <laughs> Truly, I, mean, I went from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. My life as a Packer fan, I've seen two quarterbacks. I don't know what a bad quarterback is. I actually like Jordan Love. I just didn't like him in the first round. Oh, yeah, I, know. <laughs> I just didn't like him in the first. But uh, Jordan, never mind. I was going to say Jordan Love reminds me of Trey Lance or vice versa. And if they're saying that Trey Lance is a project, why did we draft Jordan Love in the first round? But that's you're going to get me venting about something else. But I go and look at my history and I tell people all the time when it comes to Green Bay I legit think we got a shot every year yeah so as you should yeah like I don't really I don't know how to feel like I think Aaron always has a shot so I I think if if Aaron does win tonight I think for a lot of people they will say I mean in terms of quarterbacking I think a lot of people are going to say, you know what I mean, give me Aaron Rodgers. Because if you let me start my team, I'm going to get the right coach for Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to be able to get him. Because if you look at at Aaron Rodgers and the coaches that he's had, no disrespect to uh, Mike McCarthy or Matt LaFleur, clearly, but you don't even have to give Aaron Rodgers Bill Belichick. Give him Mike Tomlin. Yeah. And it looks like Aaron might have just threw a pick. It looks like Aaron might have just threw a pick across the middle, and it's looking like it was. <laughs> and it's looking like it's a pick. It's 28 seconds to go in this first half. Aaron was trying to get on the other side of the Green Bay G in the middle of that field. And, Alan, uh-oh, looks as if Sean Murphy Bunting may have been holding Alan Lazard across the middle. Uh, shoulder pad was fully exposed, so we'll see what happens there. Again, um, so much riding on this game, a trip to the Super Bowl. Uh, I guess we can. I'll end this topic with uh, asking you this one question. I told Salim that I came to the realization maybe two or three years ago that not only will Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees retire with one Super Bowl win, I think one of them will retire with one Super Bowl berth. Breeze is one for one. Aaron is one for one. One of them is not going back. 
Well, yeah, Breeze, like, he's done. Good, right? I don't know. Was it confirmed? I thought maybe it wasn't. I don't know. But. Well, Sean Payton made it kind of seem like it was confirmed a couple of weeks ago on uh, my OG Steve Weiss and Jim Trotter's, their podcast, uh, Huddle and Flow. Uh, he spoke about Jameis coming in, uh, getting the season. He said getting a season to learn from Breeze and then walking into the culture. Sounds a lot like Sean Payton is gearing up for Jameis Winston being his starting quarterback. I'll say this. If they choose Taysom Hill over Jameis Winston, they deserve to go 3-13, and 2-14. and 14. They deserve every part of misery that comes with <laughs> it. I will say that. My dad is a Cowboy fan. And we don't have to get too, too deep into it, but my dad got into it with me because we were talking about uh, uh, Dak Prescott's contract. And he said that he felt like Dak was asking for a lot or whatever the case may be. And like I told my dad, the way that I kept trying to make him somewhat understand it is a corporate office. Let's say that you're next for a promotion, whatever the case may be. Let's say that the promotion pays $7,000 extra dollars yearly okay. than what whatever position that you have now. So let's say you go from 40,000 to 47,000 a year. Let's say you, you know that you're next in line for this promotion and they bring in somebody else. Not only do they bring in somebody else, they give them 50000 Okay. Okay, cool. Whatever, whatever. I'll wait, I'll wait my turn. His contract is two, three years, whatever the case may be. He opts to go somewhere else after that. Three, two or three years later, they come back to you. I'm telling my dad this. And I say, they tell you, hey, even though the market has continued to trend upward, so now that $50,000 position, which was originally seven or $47,000, they gave him an additional $3,000. Now it should be around $55,000. But they call you three years later and say, hey, we'll give you $50,000. No, 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 you won't. Because you would have gave me $50,000 three years ago. So now that that market has changed, you're giving me 55 at the minimum. Mm -hmm. And I kept telling my dad, you're telling Dak to take the 50. No. If you wanted me to take the 50, give it to me then. Exactly. Now I've, outper I've outperformed that 50. Mm -hmm. I'm not taking 50. So during that time, my dad made one of the statements of, Taysom Hill looks good in New Orleans. I said, do it. <laughs> no disrespect to Taysom Hill, but do it. I said, if you do it, I said the Cowboys deserve to be in purgatory. Yep, yep. And I'll tell you this, though. Um, Dak earned himself uh, 35, 40 million. I don't, I don't even know. What's the average for? Yeah, hell, I don't know, but he needs to top it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, he, he earned whatever the – I don't even know what the what the pay grade is for quarterback now. I think it's 40 minutes. It might be 40-plus, yeah. actually. Uh, he earned it. This season was so telling because Dallas went from competitive in games. They, they might not have had a winning record with Dak, but they were at least competing for sure. just shit. I mean, when you put up 43 points or what is it, 38 against the Browns, but they put up 49, it's like, fam, what do you want me to do? That, there was multiple games like that. Atlanta. Seattle, I think it was, uh, maybe not. It was like high up there, man. They had a lead against, uh, or not a lead against uh, Atlanta. They, um, they, uh, they, they were down, down. exactly. They were down, I think, 36 to 23 or 26. It was something, or excuse me, 39 to 26, I think. With like five minutes left or four minutes left, and it was like, how did, how did Dak Prescott pull that out? Dallas, I'm gonna date it back to this man. Uh, my dad's a big Cowboy fan. Nice. And he always tells me he's like, we shouldn't have paid Zeke. Mm. I was like, that hurts. I know that hurts him because he loves mm. Zeke, but he's right. 
Maybe, I mean, you pay Zeke, but don't. Pay, because now that's what prevented them from paying Dak. That was a big reason, right? Yeah. A lot of it. But see, a, a lot of people are saying that Dak Prescott, uh, because of his season, of course, and the way that it went, it went the best, I shouldn't say the best way, but kind of it went in the favor of Jerry Jones. Because Zeke didn't perform. So you could kind of go to Zeke and say, let's, let's restructure this. And if he doesn't want to restructure it, maybe you get from up under the contract and you send him to somewhere like Pittsburgh. See, I was going to say this. I think it went in favor of Dak, if you think about it, because he, the team went, when, the, when they lost, they, Dalton couldn't do it. Not even remotely what he was doing, what Dak was doing, right? Now, let's look at teams out there that need quarterbacks. Sorry to cut you off, but with one second left, didn't I just mention Scotty Miller? <laughs> oh, shit. Didn't I just mention Scotty Miller? You did. Tom Brady finds Scotty Miller in the end zone with one second left before halftime, and it's looking like Green Bay will head into halftime down 21 to 10. Just to mention, these two teams did play in week six. Green Bay scored the first 10 points of the game, and then Tampa Bay responded with 38 unanswered. So we'll see if this continues to go this way. But uh, <laughs> Tom Brady is still Tom Brady. Yeah. But let's Dak is gonna earn it because let's say even if it's not with Dallas, Indianapolis needs a quarterback. Dak Prescott down there. Ooh. New Orleans might need a quarterback. I mean, would you take Dak or would you take Jameis? Dak. Exactly. Sure. Now I th- now here's what I thought. I thought Dallas should have traded for Jameis after right the second Dak broke his ankle, Jerry Jones should have been on the phone with him. But I think yeah. New Orleans actually values Jameis and they're gonna he's gonna, they're gonna give him a shot, which they should. Not ta- I swear to God. Sean Payton, if you're listening to me, man, now you have a lot more credibility than I do. I'll say that. I'm not an NFL coach. I'm not a Super Bowl winning NFL coach. Uh, I mean, I've, I've, I haven't even won a fantasy football championship. I'll say this. <laughs> you please do not, do not, do not get cute with Taysom. Don't, do not. If he starts a game next year over James, we. And even then, like if you, if the, <laughs> yeah, just don't, just don't, just, just don't, because it just, it wouldn't. It just don't. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're just going to leave it where it is. Um, and Taysom Hill played good this year. Yeah. But I think people need to understand, too, like, they've had gadget plays on Taysom Hill. No, and then, you know the game they won was against Denver when they had no quarterback. Remember that year? For whatever <laughs> it's worth. For whatever <laughs> that's worth. That was the game they won. Good gosh, man. So. Saints fans, I'll be blowing us up. <laughs> I know don't a couple of Saints fans. Space, bro. Don't worry about us. And worry about if your quarterback is coming back, because regardless of because if regardless of what we're talking about, Jameis and he doesn't look good this. He didn't look good this year. In terms of Jameis and Taysom Hill, if if Drew Brees comes back, I think that makes a lot of Saints fans. It gives a lot of Saints fans headaches. Oh yeah, because now they're just like we have three, like we don't know what to do. I think Steelers fans are the same way. Big Ben, they watch that playoff game. They're like, dog, we gotta pay him how much next year? Yeah. And I did hear, I do have a... Um, I love the Haskins signing, but go ahead. Yes. Yeah, uh, I like the Haskins signing. The only thing is, I think the Haskins signing, we know how Big Ben is. And I think that what people, uh, Celine loves talking about the the other side of Big Ben and people just, for some reason, choose to ignore. But um, Big Ben has proven us the type of person that he is. And I don't think Big Ben is a bad guy by no means. Uh, what I mean by that is Big Ben, again, has showed us who he is. What that means is Big Ben wears his heart on his sleeve. If Big Ben is angry at you, you're going to know. Mm-hmm. Big Ben is going to go on his weekly radio show, and he's going to say a little sly remark or a passive-aggressive mark where you're like, what, what, what the hell is that? So as much as I love the, the Dwayne Haskins signing to Pittsburgh, 
how much do I think in that moment Big Ben said, I'm coming back? Just because. Like, why not? So Plus 41 million is fucking I'm sure. It's, that's very hard to turn down. But even just the idea of looking like you're gearing up for life after me, he 100%. Brett Favre was that type. Brett Favre told us three times, we're, I'm retiring. We told Aaron two back-to-back times, all right, the keys are yours. That third time, we looked at Favre and said, no, we're not taking him from him again. You can go. We're not sending you to the purple people eaters, but we'll send you to the Jets. <laughs> Figure it out. Make your way. Make your way. Make your way through uh, East Rutherford. But um, I think it's just it's so much that goes into it, and especially we're talking about a lot of quarterback play. I can't wait to see the quarterback play from tonight. I will admit. I will admit. There was no way in hell I had Josh Ham- Josh Hamilton, Josh Allen in a conference championship game less than maybe nine years, ten years in the league. I wasn't very high on Josh wow. Allen. I'll be honest with you. Wow. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree. I thought Allen's first two years were like, eh, you know, eh. he's like, yeah, dude has a cannon, but like how – but this year he came out just swinging. Um, he's a – dude, he's an, he's incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not much. I, I hope they pull it out tonight. So I'm going to actually give you something else to try to kind of chew on for a second. How do you feel that – you talked about his first two seasons. How do you feel that Stefan Diggs changed that? Because, again, seeing Stefan Diggs twice a year, I, I, I see what he took to that Buffalo team. So do you remember the night where me, you, Salim, and Duna, we FaceTimed and we had that thing about NFL free agency yes. and we went through every team Absolutely. and we were out there for like two hours? I said I loved the addition then because I love teams not, you know, not BSing it and not trying to take shortcuts, just going out there and getting their young quarterback's talent. That, that If Houston would have done that earlier with Deshaun Watson, right now things would be a lot different. But instead they half at you know. And they got rid of the talent they, that he had. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I, so I love the, the, so the Stephon Diggs thing. I thought Stefan, this is his best season as a pro, and I was like, well, yeah, I mean, he had some really good years in Minnesota. Which speaks more to more so, I believe, to uh, the the personality. And we keep talking a lot about personalities, but we've talked about coaches and mm-hmm. in the NBA and winning in spite of your coach. We've seen teams win where they don't necessarily get along. Like you look at some of the the three P titles. Outside of that first one, you look at the other two, and it's like, eh. I didn't really like each other. Like, maybe Rick Fox liked Kobe and Kobe liked Derek Devin George. Like, may, but the the stars of the team, you could tell they weren't necessarily vibing. Oh, yeah. So, um, and it of course, it all showed in 04 when they literally fell apart against Detroit. Um, but I think we continue to talk about personalities and those meshing for football teams. I don't know too many football teams that win that don't like each other. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because it's 53 compared to 15. Very true. Right? Um, And like you said, coaching matters a little more in the NFL. than. And don't get me wrong. You still need good – you can't be winning championships with Luke Walton. (laughs) Oh, my God, (laughs) man. Relax. Um, Relax. (laughs) Luke Walton has made me look really crazy. He went to Sacramento, and I was like, the Kings are going to be good, guys. Oh, really? I was like, Buddy Hill, De'Aaron Fox. I I was was wrong. I was like, nah. (laughs) I was wrong. Luke ain't the guy. I was wrong. You know, I admit. I, this is going to sound horrible. I kind of hope Luke, you know, 
Black Monday comes quicker for Luke than you, you know why? Because you know who the next in line is. Talk to me, my man, Alvin Gentry. He's the assistant head coach. Is he? Yeah, in Sacramento. And see, and this is the only thing because I actually do like Luke as a coach. Um, I, I like the demeanor. That's the only thing. Yeah. So does does he have certain things that he could tighten up on as a coach for sure? Every every team isn't going to be Golden State. You can't exactly. just give the ball exactly. to, to Clay on a pin down and it turns into three points. Um, I think what gets me is how damaging it'd be if Luke, let's say Luke gets fired February, middle of February, okay. and Alvin takes over and the Kings finish similar to the way they did last year. Nine, right on the outside, yeah, like 10. 10, 11. You kind of look at him and it's like, well, Alvin, if you can develop this, then let's give you the coaching job or another team sees him and they, they add him to their staff, but I think what that does for Luke Walton in terms of damage, I don't know, because literally his only great coaching moments would have been in Golden State. Mm. And his only two stops since then would have been LeBron getting him out of there and Alvin Gentry doing a better job on the way out. Yep. I'm not sure what that does for Luke's coaching career. Well, I mean, it's telling for sure. I mean, people have this thing with Alvin Gentry. Like, they make it seem like Alvin just can't coach. Or he's like a, a, a farewell coach. Like, he just does it for the moment. Like, mm-hmm. you, it's almost like a transitional period. And I think they have Alvin Gentry beyond Ben. Here's my <laughs> thing with Alvin Gentry. How many coaches, other than, like, you know, the legendary ones, can you go from Anthony Davis, Drew Holiday, Rajon Rondo, DeMarcus Cousins, in literally a two-year stretch, getting rid of all of them, 28, 29-year-old veterans who know what it takes to win and replacing them with 20, 19, 20, 21, and 22-year-olds who are still trying to get their groove. And you're telling the coach, all right, Alvin, like, guide them. This, this, this is a team that can make a playoff run. Yeah. Who? Yeah. And so <laughs> I think Alvin got the My only veteran is J.J. Redick. Who? And it, I think Alvin got the real short end of the stick because and a lot of people don't talk about it, but – and. I'm not even saying that David Griffin was wrong because he was he was right in what I'm about to say. He was right in restricting Zion's minutes because True. if you throw Zion out there for 35 minutes a night as a rookie coming off a torn meniscus, God knows. I love Zion to death, but God knows what would have happened. Yeah. Right? I, I, was, I was hoping we didn't get another Greg Oden situation. Exactly. So my thing was Alvin was dealing with a young, a super young team, the youngest he's ever had in his career. Having to play Zion five minute and five minute stretches, trying to get him in a groove, while also having Brandon Ingram, JJ Redick, Drew Holiday, trying to get there. Yeah, you know, like that's so unfair of a coach. Mm. A lot of New Orleans fans are like, oh, we suck. Blah 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 blah. Alvin was the problem. I mean, no, he wasn't, he wasn't the problem. The it was problem. Just, it was. It's a, such a unique situation. No, no other team in NBA history, I feel like, went through that. There's no coach that could have gone from what Alvin was doing with AD and them to <sighs> having to guide. Honestly, wait, wait, wait. You, you, you speak to it a lot, but you speak to just kind of again. We talk so much about personality, but you talk a lot to the person that Alvin Gentry was. Did you get a chance to speak to him at summer league? I, uh, I didn't. I didn't see, speak to him uh, personally. Mm-hmm. But when he was like doing one of the post game interviews with all the reporters, I was in that one. Okay, cool. So Alvin is really, really cool. Like oh, Alvin definitely. is a really dope human being. And uh, same thing with Monty Williams. I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm just mentioning some coaches that kind of give me the same vein. And uh. Coach Gentry with him, once you talk to him, you understand why he didn't want to leave. How many coaches, you give me Drew Holiday, 
DeMarcus Cousins, Anthony Davis, and then you take them away, go ahead and take me away too. Yeah. Send me somewhere else. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be there. Because with all due respect, uh, you may say that it's not the same thing, but in terms of Boogie was at, I I continue to say, I think the last time I said it was last year, when last seen healthy, Boogie was the best big man in the league. And it's not close. Mm -hmm. And people are like, well, Joel and B, I don't care. Oh, yeah. No, I don't I, care. I don't want to hear it. No, Boogie I don't care. was a different breed. He, Boogie had a game in now, New Orleans too. where it was like he had 40, 20, 15, and 5. Do you know how, do you know how like absurd that is? To put it into perspective. And they won. A lot of people are yes. like, oh, well, the Pelicans never won with AD. Bullshit. <laughs> no, they definitely did. Um, <sighs> to show you what type of person that Boogie is, um, I got excited yesterday. Because Dan Hooker from you from Mixed Martial Arts, I'm, I'm, we may not be able to get to combat sports tonight, guys, because there's so much local NFL and NBA talk. But uh, even we got some Vegas go tonight for you guys, too. Um, so much was, I don't want to say said, but uh, I guess you could say it. It's, so much was said about that big three. I'm going to call it the big three. Because that team can win. If you put Drew Holiday, boog- a healthy boogie, and AD on a team right now, that team contends. Um, I'll say this. I'm not sure if we still would have gotten past the, the KD Warriors because we lost to them in that playoff that year. And that's where I was getting ready to go. Alvin Gentry, he was a part of a team in Phoenix that ran into Kobe on a mission. Yep. When we saw Kobe come down and hit two back-to-back jumpers, fallaways, and the last one was a fadeaway, and he, and he tapped Alvin Gentry on the butt. Yep, Because yep, yep, yep. Alvin did everything possible to shut Kobe down, and Kobe was like, yeah, he, he, he threw the kitchen table. Mm-hmm. Or he threw, he threw, excuse me, threw the kitchen sink. So that, I think that small, minute thing, that was Kobe's way of saying that was your best. Mm-hmm. It's not much else you could have did. So... I think when you look at Alvin Gentry's history, it's uh, it's rough, man. I mean, I talk about Reggie Miller a lot. Of course, I, people say, oh, you're a Pacer fan. Of course you feel that way. No, but Reggie had – you look at his career, and it's like – was always running into – It's like, uh, it's, it's every year that you thought he was going to get over it, it's like, oh, well, he's not beating Patrick Ewing in the Knicks. Like, there's no way. Like, yeah. Or it's like you see he gets to the finals, and it's like, ah, Kobe and Shaq? Ah, bro, it's not going to mm-hmm. work. It's not going to happen. And I love Rick Smith. Like, to this day, I love Rick Smith. Shaq? <laughs> like, that don't count. Shaq is a whole nother person. So, um, the point that I was making with Alvin Gentry was just trying to kind of piggyback off of the fact of when AD leaves, or you know that AD is on his way out, and he's leaving, and he gets swept, and you kind of just, the writing's on the wall. Writing was on the wall. We talked about it for way before AD said anything. Um, We've seen teams like... um. The Boston Celtics trade Doc Rivers. Mm-hmm. We've seen the Nets trade Jason Kidd. Or, excuse me, um, my, uh, Milwaukee trade Jason Kidd. So it forces me to kind of look and say, how many – I mean, again, we talked in the, in, the, in the NFL about black coaches. You have more black coaches in the NBA, but still how much of Alvin Gentry's story has been written by other people and falsely at that? Just a little Alvin Gentry love. Uh, every time I see Alvin Gentry, just amazing conversation. Um, let's talk locally. Let's talk locally real quick. I want to actually start this off this last 30 minutes in this local segment. Let's go ahead and talk 
I want to. I think this might be two weeks in a row that I'm doing it. But we we've seen a lot of writers come through, mm. and we've seen vast improvements from people. Whether it takes a month, whether it takes a full season, whether it takes whatever it takes. And I'm not saying this just to say this, but I told Alex White. Shout out to Alex White, who it is her birthday today. Happy birthday, Alex. Happy birthday to Alex. Alex White is a woman who knows sports. Mm -hmm. And not only does she know just sport, like she doesn't know just hockey. She knows NBA. She knows NHL. She loves baseball. Oh, I said I said NF, I said NHL. She loves the NFL. She loves baseball. She loves betting. She loves the fight game. So what gets me about Alex is I know that Alex knows sports, which is why Alex is, is one of these co-hosts on this show. Alex came to me and said she wanted to write. And when we had our Talk That Talk meeting, we kind of laughed and we were like, all right, who's covering the Knights? Because, you know what I mean, we, we all watch hockey, but I feel like a lot of us watch hockey when it gets down to the nitty gritty. When it's like, yeah, when it's on. Yeah. Like, when oh, it's like, hey, it's the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> when it's playoff <laughs> races and you realize last minute, it's like, wait a minute, hold on, wait. We're okay, this, like, okay, yeah, okay, let's, let's, let's watch this. <laughs> now we gotta, now we gotta tune in. And Alex has never, has never been that person. Alex watches hockey from the moment that the puck drops open at night to the day that the uh, Stanley Cup trophy is hoisted. And I will be extreme, I'm extremely proud to say when I mentioned the Golden Knights, I think you and Alex raised your hands almost simultaneously. And I said, all right, cool. So we got our three-person team for the Knights. It's you, me, and Alex. With all due respect, you can answer this truthfully. Have you ever seen somebody's first journalism story look the way that Alex's did? Oh, no. No. Not, not at all. And I've, I mean... I'm at a loss for words. I don't, I don't, I don't have a ton of experience, but... Don't short yourself. Don't short yourself. But like, like you got, you got no, some years. I'm not a ten year editor, so. but I've I've been editor for a few years, and I was like, this is our first one. Like, I was like, hold on, it's like, our first one. It's and it speaks to the work and the preparation, just the serious. Like, I want to be good at this. Like, I want to be great Absolutely. at this. And one thing that I told my dad that uh, my dad asked me before. Did I have like a go-to person like to run the meetings if I wasn't in there? I mentioned it in the meeting before, and I said no, like I don't. And my dad was like, "You can't shoulder everything. Like you got to have somebody that you could relate a message to where they can tell the team if you can't." I said, "All right, cool. All right, cool." I called my dad recently and was like, "You want to know what Tyler did that I didn't?" And he was like, "What?" I said, "Alex went ahead. Alex and Tyler had a game." I said, and Alex tells me that she shares the doc with me. I get inside the doc. The story is pretty much done. I see only her name in the byline. I said, Alex, did Tyler leave you? <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm knowing her mind. She's like, I don't want to get anybody in trouble. She was like, I mean, yeah. And I was like, I love Tyler. <laughs> I was like, cause he did what I am too nervous to do. Tyler was like, at some point you got to sink or swim, mm -hmm. go. So when she was nervous about it, when she brought me into the document, I was reading through it and I was like, Alex, you you're typing it the same way like i see why tyler left you like i'm leaving mm. i don't need to be here just based off her notes i was like you got this like you don't need me to like i mean go ahead and just start writing 
So we've said it before. Like I thank you again for that because Alex has her 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 wings are off. I mean her wings are uh the the training wheels are off. Her wings are fully spread. And what are we now? I think we're seconds into this second half, and Aaron Rodgers finds Aaron Jones on a swing route. That's the second time he's fumbled today. Right? And it's the second fumble. So it's looking as if Aaron Rodgers and his Green Bay Packers are uh, struggling. Struggling in this game, despite it being at Lambeau Field, despite it being with uh, fans in, the, in attendance, a minute and two seconds in, Tom Brady and his Tampa Bay Buccaneers has the ball in a first and goal situation. Um, but let's go ahead and talk about that. Let's talk about the Knights. Uh, Alex is literally like, because now I'm following a full season. This is my first time ever following a full season every every game through. So Alex is telling me certain things, and she's like, watch out for this person, watch out for this person. And I love it. I tell people all the time, the thing that I love about our staff is it's, it's vastly underrated. But everybody knows when to shut up. And it's just weird. Like, if you are talking about either AP style, if you're talking about basketball, if you're talking about football, even people that feel like they know those three things will be like, shut up. Because Tyler, I mean – it's not like Tyler doesn't know what he's talking about. So listen, if Salim is talking about feature stories, if Salim is talking about things around the city, everybody listens. So I think it's so dope that you and me have the the writing experience, but we kind of both admit like mm, our go tonight beat writer is Alex. Like it's, it's her. Like she's the one. If you ask me about the nights, I'm gonna give you her email. So it's dope to see that. And one of the things that she told me early on. The team hasn't started three and zero in a year since the inaugural season. I said, okay. One of the best teams in the league. And I said, okay, let's go ahead and take a look at that. Two days ago, or I shouldn't say two days ago, two games ago, the Knights went four and zero for the first time ever to start their uh, to start their um, season. And again, there's plenty of storylines to talk about it. But I mean, you've covered a couple of games. What are just some of the things that you want to kind of pull away from or Things that you've noticed, trends that you've noticed from covering the team. Well, I know last year they were horrible at killing the penalty. Oh my gosh! Um, I know they were one of the. I think they were 29th in the NHL. Um, correct me on that if I'm wrong. No, I think Celine. you're about right. Salim, where you at? Uh, <laughs> yes. No, nah, but um, True. this year in the games I've watched, they they've done a much better job. Just communication, the lines, everything. Um, the one game I think it was against Arizona. Maybe it was the second to Anaheim. Okay. They were down 1-0, and they scored the tying goal in 30 seconds, and then the game winner in overtime in the first 10 seconds. That was crazy. I was like I, – I had so much fun watching that. I was like, bro. I was like, yo. <laughs> like, this is this is like – this is this is tight. This is and like, it's playoff is... hockey in, like, the first month of the season, and you're exactly. like, there's no way. There's no way this is happening. But it's funny because if you go back – and, again, guys, uh, if you want to read any of our work, talkthattalkradio.com. Once again, talkthattalkradio.com. All of our radio shows, all of our stories, all of our little uh, intricate things that we do behind the scenes are all there. And of course, it didn't take long. It took about four seconds for Aaron, or excuse me, for Tom <laughs> Brady to find Cameron Brate in the back of the end zone, extra point pending. But it's 27 to 10 in Green Bay. Tampa Bay has the lead. Yeah, man, it's I don't know, like hockey. It's and for me, I'm still uh, I'm I haven't covered much hockey in my life at all, but and I still struggle to find the puck and what's going on. 
the terms I'm still trying to get used to. There's a lot of <laughs> things that I'm still like. I contact Alex every time I'm covering a game, and I'm like, "What the hell does this mean?" I'm like, "It's not called points, huh? It's goals." Huh? Yeah. Okay, all right. I'm like, all "What? Right. What they just say?" <laughs> like, <laughs> I know I don't know how accurate this is because I, this is a few days ago, but mm-hmm. I, Mark Stone was leading the league in points. Absolutely, and Alex actually included it in one of her stories as well. I don't know again if it changed last yeah, night, exactly. but absolutely that was something uh, that uh, that he was leading the league in points. But mentioning Mark Stone, it's kind of impossible to mention Mark Stone in his first three weeks without mentioning the fact that he's the first ever captain for the Golden Knights. And I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, really? maybe last week. Yes, sir. Oh, they didn't, they didn't have one last year? No, so it never in, in team wow. history. That's awesome. So Pete, new head coach Pete DeBoer, who actually um, took over last season, but um, he went to George McPhee, and he went to the president of hockey operations and said, I mean, I, I want a captain. And George McPhee was not necessarily in favor of having a captain. That's not the so far wasn't the Golden Knight way. And what I love about it is similar to what I tell you guys all the time. Like regardless of what we do on a daily basis, we have a team where everybody is in control of something, Mm -hmm. which means anybody can tell anybody. No, it's it's good to have that because people assume if Tyler runs professional sports, the professional sports section, any story that Tyler wants to run, he can run it. Sure. But in that same regard, Tyler can keep whatever he wants from running from running. And that's kind of what I think needs to be given to coaches if you want them in the position. I love the fact that Pete DeBoer went to George McPhee and said, you hired me as a coach. My coaching style involves a captain. I'm going to name a captain. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Fire me? Like, go yeah, ahead. Exactly. At this point, fire for what? Naming a captain? Cool. That's great. So I love how all of that was the, was the background. The day that they named Mark Stone the captain, they asked him, well, how does this change your day in, day out? Mark Stone said it doesn't. Yeah, exactly. I just thought it was hilarious. Because mm. Mark Stone was like, what are we talking about right now? Like, what do we – it's a C on my chest. Exactly. Like, like, I'm still tra- – st- we still have multiple vocal leaders in the locker room. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury is clearly there. They go out and get um, Alex Petrangelo, who spent 12 se- – I think 11 seasons, excuse me, Same in St. Louis. And, of course, this week he got his first his first goal as a uh, Golden Knight. Yep. And, I mm-hmm. mean, it's just – it's plenty of these storylines that – I've said it before that the Aces were going to be the team that brings this Valley their first professional championship. This Golden Knight team is showing me something different. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that last point that I had? Oh, goalies. Last point that I have for the Golden Knights are goalies. A week into the season, uh, well, I'll say two weeks, but five games, six games into the season, the Knights have continued to implement their two-goalie uh, rotation whether it's Robert Lin- or excuse me, whether it's Robert Leonard or Mark Andre Fleury, do you feel like that's something? I know you don't watch hockey like, or you don't have a, a long history of watching hockey. Do you feel like with that type of rotation, that it's possible to keep going around playoff time? Because you know how playoff time gets. Uh, you want to go with the hot hand. Yeah, you yeah, want to go with the hot hand. So do you go with the hot hand, or do you go with the whatever the chemistry is working with? That, see, that's tough because I know last year there was a lot of controversy and um, Marc-Andre Fleury's agent tweeted that picture of the sword going through his back with right. DeBoer, DeBoer's name on it. Um, 
I am I, I want to give you an answer, but mm. I'm still kind of entrenching myself in hockey, so I don't want to piss off any listeners out there. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. You know. Uh, <laughs> of course, of course, you don't want to do that. Um, I you got to go with the hot hand, right? I, well, see, I want to say so. I want to say so. I'm a big guy. I'm a big analytics guy. So mm-hmm. if analytics say play two goalies, you play two goalies. Don't get cute. Don't go with tradition. Don't go with well history. History, man. Right. You know what I'm saying? Play. Do what wins. You know that, and I think uh, do do what do what wins. Do what it takes to win games. Do what it takes to win freaking games. And if that means Absolutely. play two goalies, play two goalies. And I think what's interesting too is. <laughs> It doesn't become a conversation until it has to become a conversation. Mm-hmm. And I kept trying to have this conversation when the team is 4-0. And I'm like, we should probably have it now because they're not going to go undefeated. So it's just not going to happen. So at some point, let's start to kind of question, come postseason time, come playoff race time, uh, race for the top seed, whatever the case may be, do you still go with Mark andre Fleury if it's his turn to go if he's lost back-to-back games? But it's his turn to go. It's just I, I just wonder how much that changes. Um, again, Alex is somebody who's been on the show very, very vocal about Mark Andre Fleury being the team's guy. He may not be uh, Pete DeBoer's guy, I think we but he's the team year. guy. Exactly. So, like I asked Alex, I guess now we just kind of see how long that lasts. Again, Mark Andre Fleury has been a staple in this city since he's uh, since the Golden Knights have come down. So. Not only is he the team's guy, he seems like he's the city's guy as well. There's a lot of people you see on bumper stickers, like the flower. Flower. Yeah, you see those. Flower. Got you got to support Flower. Um, and speaking of supporting, we talked about Randy Kimball and how he used to always support UNLV athletics. Well, Randy, I know that you're looking down at UNLV's four-game win streak, and UNLV basketball has a record of five and six, and they are two and two in the Mountain West Conference with two games coming up against Utah State this upcoming. Um, excuse me, this upcoming week, this past week, they went ahead and uh, took care of business against New Mexico in their second game against New Mexico in addition to, um, I don't know why I'm drawing a blank, Benedictine Mesa. And a lot has been said about the team playing Benedictine Mesa in addition to St. Catherine. I don't know what you guys want me to say. Like, it's a COVID-filled season. I I know, UNLV doesn't play these teams. I know, guys, I understand. But uh, I do think it's just important to mention that Marvin Coleman, I think this is the third week in a row that I am mentioning this, but Marvin Coleman is done for the season with the right stress fracture in his uh, – with a stress fracture, stress fracture in his right leg. And um, speaking of injuries, Aaron Jones is questionable to return to this NFC Championship game with a chest injury. Um I don't even want to talk about the fact that I know Aaron Rodgers' records in NFC Championship games, and I don't want to talk about it. But um, uh, so Marvin has clearly finished for the season, but fellow junior guard Bryce Hamilton, who is also the team's leading scorer, tweaked his ankle in the uh, last game against New Mexico and opted to sit out. The team opted to have him sit out against Benedictine Mesa. Usually, you you would assume that you would need your leading scorer for a game like that. And, of course, UNLV walks away with a 54-point lead. Uh, But I just want to point out, of course, with the team dealing with injuries now um, this season, I just want to point out a couple of the things that are going well for this team. And Aaron Rodgers finds the end zone. Pinning an extra point, it is 28-16 with 9.28 to go in the third quarter. Aaron Rodgers just found Robert Tunyon in the end zone. Uh, I didn't expect this game to be a blowout either way. 
Um, as I said before, if Aaron found success with his wide receivers on the outside, I thought that it would be a high-scoring game. Um, and hopefully the Packers will be able to run away with it at the end. But based on the way that this is looking, it's looking like if there is uh, success with Aaron through the air, it will, more success, it will come in and come from behind fashion, in spectacular fashion. So looking at uh, the guard play, whether it's Marvin Coleman or Bryce Hamilton, David Jenkins is more of an on-ball guard now. He's more of the point guard of a ball handler. He's used to being a scoring guard. Okay. So I think we're watching a maturation process for David Jenkins, even being a junior, even having the history that he has with uh, with TJ, with head coach TJ Otzelberger. I didn't say his name first, but um, – I think that, that people have been really, really hard on Davis simply because he's not coming in averaging the same 22 points or whatever that he would do back at South Dakota State. I've told people a lot. One thing that I've noticed about David Jenkins' success, from watching games at South Dakota State, he played with Mike Don. Not too many people are going to say that you're playing South Dakota State and your defensive game plan is not stop Mike Dunn. Mm. So, some people would view that and say, oh, does that mean that uh, he was the beneficiary beneficiary of just open shots or whatever, kick out threes, whatever. Um, you can say that, but I think a lot of it just goes with his comfort level of a big that can draw attention. Mm. Maybe the big doesn't have to be Mike Dunn. But the big has to draw some sort of attention. And that's where it brings me to a check and Bakke Jean. He's my favorite player on the, on the team. And it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me because um, Daryl is somebody who used to work with the team and be a team manager. There is no body funnier on that team <laughs> than Mbake. The only person that was somewhat close is funny it's Tervel Beck. And shout out to Tervel. He's over at Cleveland State. Mbake? You need a joke. You need a laugh. You need to just – Mbake is funny. So, in back-to-back games, Mbake set new career highs. Okay. So, he had eight – it's three games I'm about to give you. He had 18 points where everybody was like, okay, so they got Mbake on the offensive end. And then Mbake follows it up with a 20-point game, which is a new career high for him. And then he follows that up with a 22-point game. I'm guessing Jenkins had good games in those games too. Right? Absolutely. Okay. But the thing is, David Jenkins isn't the leading scorer in these games. Mm-hmm. So I think you see him getting a lot more comfortable running the offense with a big that can draw attention. Mm-hmm. So I think in the beginning of the year, whether it was I would have to go back and double check because it's not coming to me right offhand, I don't know if I want to blame TJ for that in the early going. I don't know if I want to blame David for it in the early going. But it just seems like there was a lot of forcing it. And it seems like now, what are we, 11 games into the year, that now it's starting to slow down for David. Um, So I'm just hoping that people are a little more patient with him. Speaking of patient, we could talk about freshmen. And Nick Blake is a freshman at UNLV who, with his size, I believe he's 6'5". With his size, he's a freshman guard that plays the point. So with Marvin out and Bryce dealing with an injury, it's amazing to see a, a freshman who can go out and get you 15 points 
with three made three-pointers, also pull in six rebounds, and give you seven assists. That doesn't happen often. So I think just Nick Blake, I know it's it's especially in the years recently at UNLV and all the years that I've been here, anytime I get excited about a sport, most people kind of look at me and be like, curb it. Just curb your enthusiasm. <laughs> just relax. Like just it's still UNLV. So this Nick Blake can this if he continues at this clip, we talked about Bryce's rise. Knicks may be quicker than Bryce's. Mm. Blake, did he have a brother who played here? I feel like there was a Blake That's on a the team. Question. Hopefully, I'll have an answer for you next week. I'm going to do some research, and I'm going to okay. come in with it for hopefully with it next week. I feel like my first semester here, there was a Blake on the team. Maybe, I don't Maybe it, I don't know. Now you got me thinking. Like 2017? Was there a Blake on the team? I feel like there was a Blake. I don't know if they'd be related, because Blake's kind of a common last name. But. And now I'm over here thinking, too, because I'm that was that was Jordy. That was Jordan Johnson. That was Jovan Morin. That was Brandon McCoy. McCoy. And that was Juice's first year. I don't know. Maybe not. I'm going to have to go back and check. N- Nick Blake. Nick Blake. Blair, Blair, Nick Blair, Blair. Nick Blair, okay, Nick Blair. Never mind, never mind. There it goes. Because I was about to say, I had the same situation recently. Shout out to Nick Blair. Uh, underrated for what he did for that team, being undersized and having to play the center at times. Let's let's talk about Nick Blair. Um, and actually, we're, we're going to get ready to get out of here, man. Um, Daryl, uh, again, we talk about it all the time in terms of Westgate. We're going ahead and we're starting up at Westgate soon. Excited for it. It's super excited. Daryl actually always talks about it every time we do a show. Uh, of course, we have our Florida man fact checker in Salim. We have Alex who does it uh, consistently when she can. We don't have you on the show as much as we would like to. Same thing with Daryl. Same thing with Duna. Hopefully, Westgate, we can merge it all together and get a better flow of things. But Daryl says it all the time, man. It doesn't matter if you guys miss an episode, if you guys miss a year of episodes. The moment you come back, we pick up sports talk right where we left. Yeah, it's it. like we never left. That's that's the beautiful part about this team that we got here, man. Um, the team we have is the best in the Valley. I'm ready to say it. The team we have is the best in the Valley. I'm ready to say it, man. So speaking of also best, these best that are going on around the Valley, uh, we're going to get out of here now. 28 to 17, eight minutes to go in this third quarter. The Packers are trailing. Let's go ahead and shine some light on these aces, man. Yeah. Let's shine some light on these aces. And in particular, I want to shine a light on a particular woman that was born in Hopkins, South Carolina. And that young woman's name is Asia Wilson. Baller. You know what's funny? I was in a <laughs> we were walking in the tunnel for one of the games. I don't know what we were doing. And um I was on my phone and I turned around and Asia was behind me. And I turned around, looked back at my phone, and when I turned back around, I was like, we got big dog status in the Thomas and Mac? And she started laughing and was like, stop it. I was like, fam, you've, you've seen us play. Let's not do that. Um, but Asia Wilson received a statue outside of, and I want to get this right, Colonial Life Arena, okay. where she played basketball at, South, at the University of South Carolina. Interception. And it looks like an interception in, in the hands of Adrian Amos. Is it Amos or Amos? I guess Amos. I've heard him pronounce it both ways, and I would like for him to answer that. I don't think I've ever heard him answer it. But it looks like there was just an interception. I'm sure, of course, they're going to come back and review it after this or during this uh, commercial break. But if that is the case, Aaron Rodgers may be able to take this from a two-score game to one score. 
But Asia Wilson received that statue outside of Colonial Life Arena on Martin Luther King Day. And it, have you seen that? Have you seen that statue? I'm gonna try to make sure that I go and I, I get it up onto our Twitter because the statue is a spitting image, spitting image of Asia, and uh, it was just interesting to just hear her speak about and her also go on social media and speak about uh, South Carolina's history or speaking about the fact that she got, that they unveiled that statue on Martin Luther King Day or about um, the campus that her grandmother was not allowed on, her granddaughter has a statue on. Like there, certain things like that gives me, gives me chills. So I just wanna highlight a couple of the things for Asia. She was a four time, four time first team all SEC member. She was named freshman of the year. She was a three-time SEC player of the year. She was a three-time consensus All-American, in addition to being named the national player of the year in a year where she won a national title, where she was also named the most outstanding player of the tournament. Since coming to the league, since coming to the WNBA, that's just college. That might be one of the most loaded college resumes I've ever seen. Honestly, if we're looking at Bill Walden's college numbers and we're looking at Asia's, All I'm saying, man. Um, so let's look at these WNBA numbers. She's already a two-time All-Star. That trophy, man, it was pretty heavy because she has a Rookie of the Year award, and this past season she claimed her first MVP award. She's also led the league in blocks, and she's also been named to the WNBA first team once. Asia's a baby, bro. That's where I can't get – that's where I can't – get over it like because we talk we, we talk about uh summer league a lot colin sexton we're watching him take his leap mm-hmm. and you know what's funny he wasn't putting up yeah actually he was he was doing this last year but no one gave it no one gave no a crap because it was the cavaliers but now when he plays brooklyn everyone's like dude colin sexton's so good it's like we've 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 been we've, we've known that we've been said this we've said this for quite some time yeah. like colin a surprise at all and the funny thing is somebody told us at our first summer league to remember this moment because even though it's our first summer league, it's also these rookies' first summer league. So when they come back, they're going to remember you. Mm-hmm. And Colin Sexton is one of those people that I noticed the people that we were covering it with. We have a certain relationship with Colin Sexton to where once he sees us, hey, Colin, can you do this liner for me? Yeah, sure. What is it? It, it doesn't take long for Colin to recognize. Same thing with Jaron Jackson. Um, so I just think it's important to mention that Asia Wilson continues to – in the words that I told her, she continues to elevate big dog status. Uh, and I, I'm I'm going to say it, man. I think she's going to be at the helm of our first professional title in the Valley. I do. I have a quick question for you before we bounce. Um, other than legendary coach uh, Jerry Tarkanian, who do you think the next statue is that we have in Vegas of a Vegas athlete? Coach, anyone? I like this. I like this. Probably someone from the nights or the aces, but <laughs> it's so weird to say because my answer is neither one of those. Really, it's not. My answer is something that I feel like this campus needs to do a lot more of. There are over three hundred and fifty Division One schools. There was two sixty five when I was in middle school, so I think they've added like close to a hundred. So there's over three hundred. Let's say three hundred twenty Division One schools. I'd have to double check this number, but I think it's only like sixty eight or sixty nine that have national titles. You know one of them. So they should have a statue of the team? I think you need a statue of that team. Statue of that team. 
And it may seem a little weird because, of course, the, the seventh and eighth and ninth man would be like, I'm not in the statue. You were a part of that team. You're still a part of history. I think that that team does not get talked about enough. We don't have anniversaries on this campus for that team enough. We don't bring back Larry Johnson to this campus enough. We don't bring back Greg Anthony to this campus enough. That's what I think needs to happen. And I think UNLV wonders why. And, yes, I'm clearly speaking from a place of frustration because I wonder why those people don't come back to campus when we've seen that this campus has tried to delegitimize our business. So I can only wonder what these players who brought a national championship to this campus has dealt with. Mm-hmm. All I'm going to say is Larry Johnson coaches basketball. Larry Johnson has never been interviewed for a head coaching position at UNLV. <laughs> make it make sense. Yeah. Until next time, guys, keep on talking. Talk to talk, we talk to talk From the shots that's called to the tomahawks To the league boss and the ones who lost Give it to me once, I don't drop the ball To the home runs that was out the park Kershaw when I'm pitching off Kobe the Howard, he looking soft LA Rams in the city, y'all You like that, you like that, you like that Kirk Cousins back, long bomb to D-Jax Got special guests, got breaking news Got what's new if you need that Watch me speak like Ali R.I.P. Not a person on earth that can't stop me Game 7, get a ball to Kyrie 3 Come talk to talk with Chatterbox. We got it all with Chatterbox. Come to a to Chatterbox. Come to a to Chatterbox. Come talk to talk with Chatterbox. We got it all with Chatterbox. Come to a to Chatterbox. Come to a to Chatterbox. 